Hello! This is the 66th episode of the Fun Filtered Podcast. I'm Jordan. Hi. And that's Sam. Hi. And this is what's coming up on today's episode. We review She Said. We review Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. We review The Menu. We review Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. And we deliver our top 10 things of 2022. It was very efficient, are you? Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Usually we, you play the, the mind game, don't you? Which I is, do. oh, no, is it me? I don't know. You should probably check. What? <laughs> In terms of intro- introductions. Yeah. So, like, oh, I don't know. And then you do really know and you've prepared something. Oh, to you now? To me. Yeah, not, yes. not to the audience. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's behind the scenes. You all right? Yeah, I'm yeah. all right. You? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Okay. We're recording this later than planned. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say time-wise. We're yeah, we're ready. Right, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, several weeks. Yes. Multiple weeks later than planned. But I think we said we come back in January, and we will still be back in January. Well, we'll, we'll see. I promise you, listeners, <laughs> if you listen to this the day it comes out, you'll be listening in January. <laughs> I will yeah. make sure... That I work really hard <laughs> to, make, <laughs> to make sure that I work really hard to make, to make that, that happen. happen. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right. Let's jump straight into it. Yeah. The first film we're going to review is She Said. Okay. You've watched this, yeah? I have watched this. Should have clarified all this before we did yeah, it. Yeah, What did you think of She Said? Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> now, too, I'll do the premise. Yeah, go on. Uh, the premise is, God, this is later than we planned. I've forgotten everything about all of these films. No, (laughs) it's about the Me Too movement and the journalists that kind of wrote the initial articles exposing Mm. all these predators. Yeah. And giving voice to... I can't can't even say it sincerely. That's the thing. (laughs) But that is what the film's doing. I know. And giving voice to the victims of Harvey Weinstein's and whatnot. Mm. They work for the New York Times... And it's about two crusading female journalists. Yes. That's what it's about. (laughs) So what did you think of it? I thought that it was relatively well put together. I I stress relatively. Yeah. The performances are fine. Mm. They're all completely solid. It's fairly well paced. It's marginally engaging. It's very much in the vein of Spotlight. And all the president's men. Well, I mean, that's what, yeah, that is what it's up against, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, It's just not as good as either of them. No, it doesn't help that it's up against that. It doesn't. If you were going yeah. to compare it to films that came before. Yeah. By virtue of it being a similar thing structurally. Yeah. You'd go with. I mean, those. all the president's men is the go-to journalism crusading story. Mm. But I think Spotlight is a more apposite comparison for this film. Obviously, it's more in the recent past. Yeah. And... All the presence men is that even though there there was a conspiracy, it's about a very specific event with a, a select group of people. Whereas both Spotlight and this are about institutions, yeah, uh, and the rot of institutions. Yeah, it's not as good as either of those. The camera is quiet and well behaved. So the post would be the other recent journalism story that that springs to mind. Mm. Uh, and this post is is good, but the Spielbergian cinematography of that I guess it's Kaminsky I'm not sure was a confounding imposition okay this is much more spotlight in in visual tone yeah and rightly so so it begins its prologue deals with Trump Mm. and 
explain that. What was the Trump thing? <laughs> explain the well, Trump you're thing. You're the one who was bringing up the point. Well, I don't want to just keep talking because I'll go on forever. Okay. So why don't you explain the Trump thing? Well, the film seems to go, Trump's a bastard anyway. Here's the film. Yeah. Because there's, there's this whole prologue where, yeah, Donald Trump, someone makes an accusation about Donald Trump's inappropriate behavior. Yes. Something he said or something he did. I, I can't I quite can't remember. remember. All, of, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah. And the one of the journalists, is it? Um, it's Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan, yeah. yeah. She phones up Trump. Or Trump phones up her. Trump phones her, yeah. She's like, care to comment? And he's like, I did not say those things. Like a really good... Yeah, like yeah. yeah. Fairly so I should good... note to the audience, Jordan is doing the... It's A-OK. Yeah, things, you, you got to do Trump the hands. you got to yeah, do yeah. the hands. Yeah, a fairly good Trump impersonator. It was spot on. Yeah, absolutely. Spot on, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was basically saying like, no, it's all bullshit, basically. Yeah. And nothing... You will... fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate you. Yeah, nothing yeah. will become of this. And nothing did. Yes. And then the film kind of like moves on a little bit. And, and that is the cataclysm, the big bang that uh, provides the context in which the following story is set. Yes. Which is, she tried to take down a powerful male baddie mm. and... Um, didn't happen because we suck. Uh, and so now she's become jaded and is a little bit apprehensive about pursuing the next yes. similar story. Yeah, the Trump thing, and I'm not defending Trump, was <laughs> completely unnecessary. I just It, it wasn't required for contextualization. Mm. It just felt like the film trying to hook you with your presumed, and I'm sure for most audiences, accurately presumed, <laughs> uh, Trump hate. And trying to be encyclopedic. It's like he was trying to be the definitive Me Too film. Yeah. You know, we'll do Trump, we'll do Weinstein, we'll do all the, every fucking rapist. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Donald Trump, that legally. Oh, right, yeah, disclaimer. <laughs> Weinstein, it's pretty yeah, cut yeah. and dry. Yeah, this this is supposed to be the Me, Me Too movie. Hmm. Uh, I resented it for that. Right. I, I don't really, not not like there was the Me Too movie. I resented that it was trying to be the Me Too movie. Mm. I don't really have philosophical or ideological problems with the film, uh, but I find the subject matter very delicate. Yeah. And easily... And not delicate in that you have to be very sensitive about it, though that's true as well. Uh, in that it can it, it can become irritating very quickly mm. or um, inaccurate or kind of strident really quickly and easily elaborated upon. Let's put it that way. Okay. It just feels too recent, more than anything for me. Did you have that same feeling? Well, I was... Yeah, but I'm, I was thinking, like, could the same argument have been made for Spotlight? Well, that there was, like, 15 years there. Okay. So it's a, it's a little bit longer. I know what you mean. Yeah, well, okay, so... It's not in the sense that more historical context is required. Like, I'm pretty sure we have all the facts, the important facts about yeah. a lot of this stuff. But Trump is still very much a dominant part of the conversation, mm. as is Me Too. Uh, it was the same with Bombshell, the whole yeah. Roger Ailes thing, yeah. which wasn't as good as this even. Uh, it might be a personal thing, but I struggle with dramas depicting recent history. And that might be an age thing. Okay. Because I think back to Captain Phillips, mm. which I think we saw in the cinema. Did we see in the cinema? Yeah. 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 That was very close after the fact. Mm. But when the real story played out, we weren't old enough to be sufficiently tuned into the news. Mm. And so it didn't have as much resonance for us. So maybe familiarity is like the subtractive element that robs the film of a sense of timelessness. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but I think nailing this kind of thing is very alchemical. And Spotlight did. Mm. And this didn't, no. I didn't think. Do you agree? Well, I, I just found it very boring. 
That was my yes, problem. It is boring. You say the camera is well behaved. I say I say it was very dull. Like I, I, it, it I is get dull. it. Yeah, it, it probably wouldn't have benefited from frenetic cinematography. No, no. But it didn't. It didn't have anything. Did you find Spotlight dull visually? No, and that's what's okay, interesting. That's interesting. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know whether it was because Spotlight. I mean, this is technically a period piece. Yeah, but it's a period that looks almost identical women. to our own. Uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and we're off. Get- okay, uh, yeah, we're off. Yeah, um, yeah. This is what like twenty sixteen. This 20- always happens. It's always like because I have notes, and it's like the first couple of paragraphs of notes. It's very measured. It's like I'm delivering a film review. Yeah. Then I say the thing. And <laughs> yeah, and off it's the off. Track. Yeah. Alright, go on. Um, yeah, it, it's it's like a period of time that's very similar to our own. Yeah. Whereas Spotlight was 2001, so there was yeah. like a little bit of distance in like the technology and very, very slightly yeah, the fashion. A, a bit. Well, um, Spotlight, I remember, was, was hailed for being a celebratory throwback to old school journalism. Yeah. Which was, you have to go to the library and find, yes, you know, it's yeah. not all, all digitized. But I, I think part of it as well is that Boston just has more character. It does. A and church in the background of every show. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I mean that, like, they, I know that they said that was an accident. Like, you yeah. can't film in Boston and not film a church. They, yeah. They're fucking everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the equivalent of this film would be if, if there was just like a guy. A man in the background. Yeah, in the background of every yeah, shot. Holding his cock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just masturbating yeah. in the background of every shot, yeah. Um, just Weinstein. Yeah, what? Weinstein. Yeah, like a Hitchcock cameo. Or wasn't it? A <laughs> yeah. silhouette jizzing. Um, <laughs> like yeah, like yeah. Carrie Mulligan is like on the phone while tending to her baby. And just from the window outside, you can just see his face. <laughs> the hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, pressed against the glass. Yeah. Smushed in. Uh, all red. See, that would have compensated for the dull cinematography. Yeah, if there was a wanking Weinstein in the background. <laughs> every show. Uh, yeah, it's... I, I just um, think that like... Well, I think very. I think part of what why Spotlight is so great is it really not just the institution of the church, which mm. is kind of like this this distant monolith, yeah, uh, represented by Cardinal Law, but like you don't really see many priests in the film. Mm. It really sets up the culture of the Boston Globe well, yeah, which is most of them are Bostonian, yeah, like working class, like Mark Ruffalo, who's the de facto lead, was a cabbie. You know, like, they're, yeah. they're just working-class people. Whereas the New York Times, especially now, it's an, an elite institution. Yeah, it, it's all it's glass just, panels. Yeah, and, young professional women. Yes. And I know that, like, she's Jewish and Carrie Mulligan isn't. Yeah. So it's like, oh, like, multiple walks of life and mm. whatever. But it, it just ends up having no real... No. ...character or visual identity. No. And I think the film... Like, like Spotlight... Like I said, Boston has character. I'm not saying the spotlight had a lot of like mm. strong visual identity to it. Yeah, it didn't. It looked just like a film. Yes, but if you're not engaged in the film, mm. like in the subject matter or the film's approach to the subject matter, I should say, yeah, there isn't anything else for you. It's it's not yeah. an, an enjoyable watch. I, I don't think. want to diminish Spotlight in any way because I love that film. I really love that film. In a sense, it's like when we, not criticise, but have a moan when films like set in naturally beautiful locations are nominated for cinematography awards because mm. you didn't have to do all that much work. Yeah. I kind of feel like you're going into spotlight, you're already on side. If you know what they're doing, yeah. you don't have to be won over. And I think obviously this film presumes you're on side, and of course I am broadly on side. Yeah. But because everything is so fucking politicised, 
and just the general state of discourse, my pre- my presumption going in is that it's going to be flippant. Mm. It's going to make generalizations. Yeah. It's going to have a scene that makes at least one scene that makes you roll your eyes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it did have to work to bring me on side fully. Yeah. And it didn't. No. And that's the thing. It's that no. It's that idea that it doesn't have to. It's that idea yeah. that like oh you already already agree with us. Yeah. Well, the idea that well you hate Trump. Yeah. you even though half the country doesn't. No. You know. <laughs> yeah. But they don't care. Yeah. It's not for exactly. them. It's not. But for that's them. the thing. Like with Spotlight, from what I remember, again, you could level that argument at that, where it's like you know the film just assumes that you're on the side of the journalists, and yes, broadly mm. speaking, I am on the side yes. of the people that want us to know that there are priests raping children. Yes. But I still feel like the film does a good job, even if accidentally, of kind of outlining just how... Like, I understand how that became an institutional yes, rot. Like but also, it ne- Spotlight never attacks Catholicism or faith. No, it never attacks... It, it attacks the people running the institution. Exactly. Yeah. And then you've got that scene in the film where she yeah. says, like, to the priest, have you molested anyone? And he goes, yes. Yeah, very matter-of-factly. Yeah, and she's like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I was molested. Yeah. And the fact that he says it so matter-of-factly, it just shows to you that this is normal. Yeah. They're not hiding anything because they don't think there's anything to hide. This yeah. is just normal everyday life right. for them. Right, I completely get how this became a massive problem in that institution. Yeah. Because it's no one recognises it as a problem. Mm. I feel like I didn't get that out of She Said. No. Like, I didn't no. really get a good sense of what they were up against. There's, like, the, there's yeah. like one phone call where someone that, who says... Yeah, I want to tell you everything, but I'm too scared to tell you everything. Mm. She gets a phone call later in the film from another woman who says, Hey, Harvey Weinstein heard that the press came to speak to you. You're not going to speak to the press, are you? But yeah, this... this... And I don't really feel... I, yeah, that, like, to me, that was kind of like the the only real instance where the film felt like it was showing you the power of the institution. But this is the thing, because what what this film does, and we'll, we'll get to it, I'm sure is it very deliberately keeps you away from the men accused yeah. of all these things. The reality is, like with, we- with Weinstein in particular, I would say, uniquely to this extent, the, the-, the personality was the company. Like, mm. he was that business. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, loads of stories about, St- like Stephen Fry said, when he used to go to a Cannes festival, mm. he- you know, him and his friends used to play a game where they would walk from one part of the quasette to the other. Yeah. And they had to count how many times they heard the name Harvey being mentioned. Yeah. Harvey's got a meeting. You know, it's like he, he was immensely powerful. And so, and then everyone kind of like huddles around him uh, to protect him. But think in Spotlight, right, you have some priests and you have the lawyers representing them. Yeah. You have the police that kind of ignore it or like, you know, they sweep it under the rug. Yeah. You do get a sense of these different institutions in this kind of noxious collaboration. With yeah, because especially in the heart of Boston, it's not just the church. Because no. everyone is affected by the church. Yeah. And so everyone is against them. And that's the thing. Everyone's affected by the church. It's an incredibly religious city. Yeah. They say, even though it's like a metropolis, it's still a small city. It's very parochial in a way. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows everyone. Mm. Everyone goes to church. Whereas in this, it's these men... And yeah, there's the sense of yeah, other people around them protecting them. Force. Yeah. And th- though, like, I understand that there's still something to be said about, like, this power, this force that's so above us mm. and so powerful, mm. we never see them. 
Yeah, I get the instinct. But our lives are affected by everything that they say and do. Yes. But what we get, what how that manifests in the film, at least for me, that's how, mm. how that manifested in the film, was you just have a bunch of women saying, yeah, I want to tell you everything, but I can't. Yeah, why? We're being told that nothing can be done, rather than yeah. seeing nothing yeah. being done. This might be because it is recent history. I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to extend some charity to the film. Yeah. It might be for the sake of litigation is like we we're not gonna do, we're not gonna portray scenes with people telling women blah 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 because we only have their word for it yeah. so we can only focus on the journalist perspective the calls they had and but I'm just like you know if that's true yeah does that not suggest that it's too early to make that film it does indeed yeah yeah it is too early to make that film yeah and uh, the fact they have like um what's her name the actress playing herself in Ashley it. Judd Ashley Judd it's weird I just find it weird yeah Ashley Judd plays herself. But Weinstein and Trump are not, for obvious reasons, are yes. not portrayed by their real persons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there are also other instances where they clearly work around having to show the real person. Well, like we'll, when we'll it's come, Yeah, we'll come to that. It's like so. The film that springs to mind, that sprang to mind a lot watching it was The Assistant, which is a film I really liked from like 2019, 2020. Yeah. Julia Garner plays a young, she's like an intern at this yeah. film company. You never see the boss. No. But you, you slowly get a sense of the culture in the company. Yeah. If you kind of takes advantage of women. And then she goes to an, like an HR guy to complain. Yeah. So guy heard this thing. And th- there's not much like substance to it in terms of proof or anything like that. Mm. And in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not... If, if my memory serves correctly, in the grand scheme of things, isn't all that bad. But it's still something that should be reported kind of thing. Yeah. And the HR guy played by Matthew McFadden. Yeah. Is basically like, um, why are you wasting my fucking time? Mm. This is nothing. And you do get a sense of, oh, how these people collab- conspire together. and yeah. Which you don't get from, mm. she said. You just have to kind of take everyone's word for it. Yeah. So another issue for me with these biographical films is the dramatic invention. And it, you obviously need it. It's a film. If, you're not, if, if it's not a documentary, you need it. It's something that I would do. But when, for instance, she screams at the sexist dude in the bar... You know, like they're sitting in a bar, a guy comes up and oh, like yeah. hits on them. And she's like, fuck off, pervert, or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. You just it's like, go, hey, my friend thinks you're cute. Fuck off! Yeah. yeah. You just go... <sighs> yeah, because I think that was the film trying to say, ooh, sexism is everywhere. Well, look, yeah. Look at what these women have that, to deal that's with. That's the church in the background of every shot, of, yeah. she said, yeah. Uh, and again, it's not the position the film is taking necessarily. I actually have this problem with Spotlight, again, which is a film I adore. When the dynamism of the pursuit relaxes for character stuff. Mm. Not that much, to be fair. But like when Ruffalo's talking about losing his faith. Yeah. It feels a little, a little like a superfluous appendage. Mm. Like when the objective becomes subjective, it obviously edges into fanciful or contrived. Life isn't cinematic in that way. And I know this is completely counterintuitive. They're not documentaries. Yeah. They require characterization. But when I'm just not, when I'm not just getting the facts, ma'am, Mm. It feels like, and I am, being manipulated. Uh, and that will always be a problem with, not so much biopics, because I think with biopics, like, when you walk in, you're being invited to a character study. Mm. Like, you know that's what you get, you're getting into. But biographical stories like this and Spotlight. Yeah. And especially when it comes to reporting. I don't know if that's just a me problem. Okay. Yeah. But what's your take on that? Um... I see what you're saying. Because the problem with, like, journalistic dramas, you go in kind of thinking, oh, it, it will be the cinematic equivalent of, like, reading a, sto- a newspaper story. Yeah. Which you expect to be even-handed and just the facts and 
Again, I'm not saying you should never, ever imbue any of the characters with character. Yeah. It's just always a bit like, uh, you don't do the film thing now. You're doing the film thing. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe it would be better suited to being like a crisis thriller, like United 93. Where yeah. It's just, here is just the events unfolding. Yeah. Um, yeah. As opposed to, here are the characters that we care about talking about being Jewish or whatever it is. That that's happens. a really good example because I was going to bring up you know, 93 in the in the context of it was made like five years after 9-11. Yeah. So really not that long. Uh, but that's a really good example because yeah, there is no main character. No. It's very cinema verite documentary yeah. style. But at the end you're, you're like fucking so tense. Yeah. And like upset. Yeah. And you haven't really, you haven't got to know any of the characters. It's no. just the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Um, In a way, yeah. having no characters. Yeah, I'm on the plane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It allows you to slip right in there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, I needed that in She Said. I'm not saying I needed an opening to slip in. Yeah. Said, oh, dear. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm starting there as well. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just needed something. I needed something yeah. that the film didn't give me. Yeah, it was missing a certain yeah. X factor, wasn't it? I mean, it could be that like this film was just interested in being a celebration of the women that made this story heard. Mm. The women who were brave enough to come out and speak about, out about this horrible uh, event. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Was it obligated to do anything other than that? Be engaging... I mean, the thing with, again... I, what, I'm, uh, what I mean is more like, um, should it have been an even-handed, uh, or as close to even-handed as you can get, like, thing about Me Too? Not necessarily well, like, oh, let's hear from Harvey Weinstein now. Yes. But more of like a, well, how? Like, like yeah, those, explain. Li- those little, like, moments in Spotlight where you kind of learn that, like, oh, this is completely normal to the church, which is how this infection has spread. Nerd it a bit. Yeah, like, well, yeah. It's a short it, film that we made. Yeah, short film that we made. <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't, I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to make it sound no, like I was plugging our own I only stuff. wanted to bring it up in the context of having made that. I, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's affecting my judgment. Okay. But, like, yeah, because the whole point of that was, oh, yeah, we're not plugging it. Yeah. Yeah, we won't even tell you where to find exactly. it. Exactly. So it doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole point is it's the perspective of a Me Too producer. Yeah. Very, as even-handed as it could have been, given yeah. that it was his perspective. Yeah. I mean, like, one of the many things that monologue is doing, it's interested in finding out why, why? he became that guy. Yeah. Because he obviously wasn't born that guy. No. He was turned into that guy. Right. So what made him turn? Exactly. And I don't know, like, maybe something to sort of hint at, like, oh, this is, like, we need to be addressing this thing. Mm. Like, it kind of suggests that Weinstein was the monster. Yes. When really the system that he thrived in is the monster. Yeah. And that system kind of goes unchecked yes. by the film. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't know if the film was obligated to be anything other than a celebration of the, of the fact that Me Too happened and the people that made it happen. Mm. It wasn't enough for me. It wasn't enough for me either. And I think, so, you know, like in Spotlight, we're roughly the whole, you know, the Oscar bit. Where it's, it's time, Robbie. Yeah. It's time. That didn't happen, probably, right? No, no. But when I watched Spotlight, I didn't care. And when that happened, I welled up and got emotional. It's yeah. like a very emotional thing. So the film was working. And I don't know whether it is just like ingrained sex. I don't know what it is. Sexism, I should have really finished that. <laughs> Usually the, the trail-off would imply the end of the word. But when you just say ingrained sex, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. In the context of me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like when Ashley Judd 
like she finally because she doesn't want to be the source at first no and then she phones like okay i will be the source she hangs up and like cries like oh i'm, I'm i've been brave mm. and you just go did that happen like it creates a bit of an eye roll you know like yeah ugh. like why did that happen but yeah. maybe, maybe the film told me and I, I wasn't I paying attention by that point. Because I'll admit, towards I think the end, it lost my attention. I think she just calls them and is like, yeah, I just But that's, what, that's the thing. It feels like they all just call her. Like, yeah, after the, a lot like, of calling. Within, like, oh, there's loads of calling. Like, yeah. most of the film is people on the phone. Yeah. And the thing, that's not even shot very well. There's no, like, split screens or anything no. like that. Just something. Just something, yeah. Yeah, it still has to be a like film. the most like I, I the get, most inventive yeah. bit is when it literally becomes a documentary. It just plays like hidden audio of Weinstein trying to convince someone to go back to his room and get in the hot tub. Yeah, and it's like um, footage of like a hotel yes. corridors. Yeah, I get the instinct for restraint. That thing of like we are not gonna impose any artistic affect on it. Yeah, it's such a serious, somber story. Mm. We just have to film it. Like, and that's it. A split screen, no, that would suggest that we're thinking of anything but mm. the gravity of... It's, it's still got to be a film. Schindler's List is a great film. It's about the fucking Holocaust. Yeah. It still has to be a film. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a documentary was the best way to go, even though there have probably been 10,000 Me Too documentaries. Well, that's the thing. If it was a documentary, no one would have seen yeah, it. Yeah, true. Yeah, so they depict Trump by voice mm. and Weinstein by frame. Yes. Uh, he's, like, walking along the offices... And you see him from a distance. Yeah. And then, like, his profile. Floorboards cracking underneath him. <laughs> with pure malice. Yeah. Um, grr, grr. <laughs> like, groaning. Yeah, groaning. Yeah. And just dripping with cum. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's an intentional device to preserve the aura of evil. Yeah. Uh, evil mystique around them. But also, no, we will not give these fucking monsters the time of day. Yeah. And... But, I, like, how could you... How can you tell this story without without, like bringing them up I know without it's, giving it's, them any time but that's you know? the thing they don't get a voice right fine and again if it, I, I, I'm, I don't know I'm sick of myself here and the expectations that have been put on us where I feel I have to keep saying I'm not defending blah 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 yeah get over it alright mm. I'm talking to myself here right so again not like balance but eh summon yeah summon else something well, it, it's a film trying to tell a story with no villain yeah or at the very least, there is there is a villain. Yeah. They just don't want to talk about the villain at all. Right. So it's like, yay, the heroes prevail well, over what, though? Bombshell leaned way too far into it. Like, pr- depicting Ailes as an oozing yeah. Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> draw me a tick. <laughs> yeah. um, the assistant, like I said, did it really well. You never see the figure, but there's this ever-presence. If anything, if you take anything away from this review, go and watch The Assistant, mm. which is way superior. Yeah. I think that's it. Do yeah, I, I haven't really got anything else to say about it. Okay. I watched it a while ago. I barely remember it. I'm frankly impressed. I said as much as I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, uh, sorry. It could have been called All the President's Victims. Oh, there you what go. With Trump, <laughs> what with Trump and Weinstein both being presidents. Oh, so yeah, that actually yeah. works much better. Yeah. yeah. Or okay. just All the Presidents would have sufficed. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I do have a couple more notes here because I, I listened... We'd wrapped it up. I know, we'd wrapped it up. Uh, no, because I listened to a podcast um, where the film was discussed, and one of them was a journalist, and um, she talked about the, the self-regarding romance for journalism overtaking the reality of journalism, and it was apparently very unrealistic. Just little things like nobody would ever make a phone call in the lobby. Like, and it's those little details that I think that make or break a film like that. Like, I yeah. wouldn't have known that, but now that I do know that, 
it's annoying. Yeah, because I mean, it makes sense. You don't make a, a, a serious phone call in the yeah, lobby. Yeah, I guess that was done for pacing, right? Well, and to, 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 for it to breathe. So it's not just them in the office the whole time. Yeah. But, like, it, it, I don't know. Because if, if the film was willing to break the rules mm-hmm. there, why couldn't it break the rules <laughs> elsewhere? Exactly. And yeah. be interesting. And be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think all of it in microcosm is the ending, isn't it? It's the, They're all gathered around the computer yeah. just before it's about to be published. And the cursor hovers over publish. Yes. And then it clicks. And it clicks us into a cut to black. Yeah. And that's such a great side-by-side with all the President's men, where the final shot is the two men clacking away di- diligently on their typewriters. Mm. And it's just like the sound of a newsroom. Yeah. You know. And just the, mo- the modern analogue of that lacks any punch. And I think that's just the perfect encapsulation. Yeah, when they're just thing. like, oh, let's read it one more time. Yeah. Put it through spell check. And then just... <laughs> yeah, that probably didn't even pick up didn't on the mic. Up, yeah. I yeah. clicked then. You probably didn't even hear it. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's it. Okay. I think that's it. Not a recommendation, then? Not a recommendation. It's not a, it's not a terrible film. Mm. Don't get me right. It's not like... Um, um, yeah, like Even though we didn't say anything good about it, really, I don't feel like... I don't want to panic completely. It's just a film like this has got to be handled better than most films. Yeah. And it didn't do that. Yeah. Should we do Pinocchio? Should we review Pinocchio? <laughs> <laughs> well, should Pinocchio do us? Hello, just bend over. Big nose. Tell a lie, you bitch. Yeah. Especially uh, since in this version, it like branches out as well. It's not just a big stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like... Well, let's not go back to Judaism. Inside... Oh, what? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> big nose Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> um, Is that the yes. secret theme running under the entire episode? Big noses. Well, Judaism. Ju- yeah, that's true. Jewish writer. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Mm. The thing is, we're going to try and consciously put it in now, aren't we? Yeah. For other reviews. Okay, Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I apologise, yes. Guillermo, very pointedly, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So it's Pinocchio. That's the story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not really... It's not breaking the mould story-wise. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio? Well, we'll, we'll come to that. Mm. But the story-wise, Geppetto, it's like World War II, fascist Italy. Is that typical Pinocchio, then? I think the book is. Okay. I, d- I don't know. I don't know whether it explicitly has fascist mm. characters in it. But I-, I know this film is considered more faithful to the source material. Okay. But yeah, Geppetto has a son. The son is killed. Yes. In a bombing. Mm. And then he creates Pinocchio. Out of rage. A drunken of, rage. A drunken rage. Yeah. Pinocchio comes to life and then is his replacement son mm. and all the trials and tribulations that come with that yeah that's the story okay okay it's very it's beautifully animated yeah whatever is said during this review yes let it be known that it's a gorgeous looking film yes it's incredibly well animated and designed. I do not for a yeah. second want to detract from the craft no that went into this I got a feeling you've got some bad things to say <laughs> So, a Guillermo del Toro stop-motion... Not a Pino- not necessarily Pinocchio, well, uh, just a Guillermo del Toro stop-motion yes. film? Yes. Yes, please. Yes. And I agree. Like I like the darkness. Mm. I like the child death. Yes. And the fascism. I like that it deals with, like, serious themes. Yeah. David Bradley makes an, of course, Geppetto. Oh, yeah. McGregor is quite good. Mm. Glass Onion aside, which we're obviously getting to... This was the last film of the year, realistically, that I thought might be a contender for my awards. Mm. 
I wasn't like excited for it. I was, but well, not, I, I wasn't not. But yeah, I, no, I'm not, I'm yeah. not saying that like, oh, but you should have been. No, no, I was no, like, yeah, I was yeah. really it was like, oh yeah, I, I didn't think about it much. Yeah. And then when it loomed, it was like, oh yeah, that, that's, mm. that should be good. But yes, a Del Toro stop motion Pinocchio, I was ready for it. Yeah. I didn't, however, know it would be a musical. Nor did I. <laughs> Nor did I. Now, in itself, that's fine. I don't share your... It's not even loathing, your allergy to musicals. It really is. I, th- yeah. I think that's how we should refer to it. An allergy. Yeah. yeah. A musicology. Yeah. Get it? Musical musicology. Yeah, yeah. One word. You, oh, yeah, there you go. You didn't, I didn't get the pro- approval I wanted. <laughs> uh, but the kid that voices Pinocchio is annoying. And when he starts singing... <laughs> it's... It's very school play. Uh, yeah, I wasn't I prepared for the kids, and I wasn't prepared for the musical. Yeah. And I think those... I gotta be honest, the, the, the schadenfreude, the masochist, masochist in me, mm. no, sorry, the sadist in me, Right. so relished the opportunity to get to tell you, Jordan, it's a musical. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because yes, you saw it before me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was like, you know what it is though, right? And you were like, no. I was like, yeah, he doesn't know. I get to be the one to tell. I get to see the innocence <laughs> and the hope drain, drain from, from his face. Yeah. Yeah, it's very school play. Yeah. Um, I can't fucking stand that castrati thing of, like, young boys. Like, you know, I'm a young child and I'm... That yeah. whole thing. And, you know, like, obviously it's dealing with the fact that he is a replacement, essentially, for Carlo, which mm. is Geppetto's son. And... Geppetto kind of resents him because he's not Carlo and then yeah. the, like, the act to lull is when Geppetto is like you're nothing like Carlo and then Pinocchio's like I don't want to be like Carlo and I just thought who does this damn puppet think he is <laughs> I just like I resented him <laughs> like little wooden poser <laughs> sentient splinter anthrodilettant nouveau real douchebag <laughs> It'd be like birthing AI and you then... wouldn't it, fuck. Yeah, it'd be like birthing AI and then instantly has personality and cheek and nerve and thinks it's fucking entitled to something. And like just gives you jip. And it feels horrible to say, it's not the concept because I like the old Disney Pinocchio. Mm. It's, it's the kid's voice. Yeah. And you know he's going to grow up to be either a theatre kid or gay. It's the kid's voice alongside David Bradley. Ewan McGregor, yes. Christoph Waltz. Yeah, it stands out. Like yeah, it's like the like only... Because there are other children yeah. in this. Yeah. And they don't sound like Pinocchio does. Well, and also, the kid's like a nobody, right? It's yeah. like a a new... Mm. They found somebody new. Presumably, who could do the singing yeah. and then just... Yeah. I know Del Toro is more... And you flagged this up earlier. I know Del Toro is more of the auteur mm. over Robert Zemeckis. Because we had, obviously had another Pinocchio film we had three, last year. right? Did we have three? Yeah, there was like a Russian one that uh, came out oh, okay. earlier in the year. Yeah, there's always... Every year there's a Pinocchio film. Yeah. But crucially, the Zemeckis one with Tom Hanks. That was, you know, the Disney remake of the yeah, yeah. original. Uh, yeah, I know he's more of the auteur, but given that it stars Tom Hanks, a Zemeckis mm. regular, yeah. and CGI, and all of which he's a pioneer, obviously, it should have been Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio and this should have just been Pinocchio. Mm. Uh, it doesn't feel Del Toro enough to justify it. Or do you do what was done in 2016 or whenever it was, where you have Disney's Jungle Book mm. and Mowgli, 
Well, you don't, yeah. you don't even use the Pinocchio title. You No, it's like the Wooden Boy or something. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the dual 2022 release wasn't the reason. Like, that wasn't the reason they named it mm. as such. I think it's Netflix trying to wed it to Cabinet of Curiosities and trying to cultivate... Oh, they want another Mike Flanagan. They think? want a Billy... Yeah, they want Billy the Bull to be their brand. <laughs> yeah, if you want Del Toro, he's on Netflix. Yeah. Because uh, that is Guillermo Del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. Del Toro is co-director, right? It's not even like a full de- Del Toro... Co-director, co-writer. Yeah, it's not a full Del Toro joint. Yeah. It's not Pan's Labyrinth. No. It's a little wooden cunt. <laughs> Del Toro's little wooden cunt. <laughs> oh, that's vulgar. That's vile. Um, yes, okay. So, I don't feel like anyone can really defend the child. No, he, never. He was a mistake. Yes. I don't feel like anyone can really defend the music either. No, it's Put not my, good. Put my allergy aside. Yeah. There are no songs in this that are as iconic as When You Wish Upon a Star. No, unlock. There are no songs in this as iconic as No Strings to Hold Me Down. No. And I think, crucially, with the exception of maybe the song that accompanies the montage of him traveling with uh, Count Volpe, or whatever he's called. Mm. Which I think is the song that they're putting up for like original song at all the awards okay. that it's eligible for. Okay. So that's the one they're banking on. Take those out. Mm. Is there, and that's a genuine question to you now, do you think there's any scene in this film, or any musical number in this film, that needed to exist? No. If every single one felt like it was just reiterating information I already knew. Yes. Um, it's just like, oh, this musical number tells me that, that Geppetto loves Pinocchio. This musical number tells me that the Pinocchio has just been born and he's needs the fa- It falls into the trap of which... Look, I'm not a musical guy whatsoever. I'm no. Like, I don't generally don't like musicals. I can, I think, recognise when there's a banger in yeah. a musical. Like, oh, yeah. I can. Even, like, A Star Is Born, Shallow. I get it. Yeah. It's a good song. You know, La La Land has good songs. I, I get it. Mm. Uh, yeah, this doesn't. And... When I was in university, there was a session where a musical theatre expert came in and everyone was very timid and I didn't really know what to say to her because no one liked musicals. Mm. And so I thought, oh, I'll I'll try and ask questions and talk. And she said, what do you think the purpose of the libretto and the music in a, you know, the songs in a musical are? What are the purposes? And I just guessed, well, I would guess that the libretto was to move the story forward and then songs capture a feeling. Mm. And she said, it's often the opposite. Okay. And I was like, yeah, all that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this fell into the trap of, it, it just kind of, it was a bullet point yeah. to what we already knew rather than moving anything forward. And I wonder if the film recognized that because yeah. I think when you get to act three, it sort of forgets that it's a musical. Yeah. And I, I just, I really, it ruined it. The fact it was a musical, mm. like, it could have been, for me, so much better. Yeah. And... Well, all my favourite stuff is outside of the musical numbers. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Why do a musical... Why do another Pinocchio musical? That as well. Surely just... It's been done. I don't know whether there's some, like, weird little hidden clause which obligates you to make the Pinocchio film a musical. That's the thing. No, I've seen Pinocchios where it's not, you know. But, like, if you're deliberately deviating away from what we understand to be the Disney like interpretation yeah. of Pinocchio. Yeah. You're doing it to be you're being more faithful to the book or you're adding your own material or whatever. Mm. Surely not making it a musical 
Surely that's the first thing you do. Well, this, take out all if the anything, this feels like like sticking his chin out more than anything. As like, oh, we will also be a musical because mm. we will be the superior musical. You can't really beat When You Wish Upon a Star. It's one of like the top hundred film songs of all time. You know, yeah. it's it's a classic, isn't it? It's Disney's like walk on music. That's yeah. how iconic it is. Well, it's because it's 1940 as well. It's it's one of their first films, something like yeah. second or third or something. Yeah, that song is Disney. It's yeah. the magic of Disney crystallized in audio. Absolutely, um, and it's archetypal, and you know nothing in this is like that. Yeah. Whereas, what what do we have? Ciao, papa. <sighs> ba, 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 ba. I don't even remember it. No, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember any of the songs. Yeah, but it's like oh, it could have been. It could have been great. Mm. The the moment that he starts singing. It was, uh, no, <laughs> no, don't no, because there's like Pinocchio. there's two moments with uh, Jim, Jim Binny Cricket mm. where um, he like starts singing a song and then he gets like shut down. Yeah, like he starts singing a song and then someone opens the door and crushes him. Mm. And then there's like another version later on. It's like oh, maybe if it did that, like you have maybe one musical number and then you have a Jiminy Cricket moment and where he like, shuts it down. Yeah, and there's yeah. like right, no more music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's a statement, then, isn't it's it? It's like in Lost when the uh, the CD player dies. Mm. Like, yeah, no more musical montages at the end of the episode. I can only think he wanted to make a musical, and I can see that. I can see why, like, why Del Toro would want to make a musical. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a very aesthetic, if you like, filmmaker. Yeah. And that fits in nicely. But just do something else. And that's a disappointing thing as well, is that all of the musical numbers, the accompanying visuals of the musical numbers, are grounded in reality. Yeah. The film's reality, I should say. Yes. There are no pink elephant sequences or anything like that. No, it just doesn't fit. Like, you have this really dark stuff. Mm. And the first song doesn't come for a little while. And then... Yeah, long enough to lull you into a false false sense of security. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it just doesn't jibe. No. It, I'm a kid as a fucking wanker. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, kid. I don't know who you are. I, want, I wish you were dead. <laughs> well, funny you mentioned that, actually, because I was going to say one thing that I do like about it, because let's talk about something that's good about it, shall right, we? Go on, to balance it out, at least. I don't know if this is a feature of the original story. I don't know if this is invention from Del Toro or the other guy that was involved. I'm sorry that I didn't buy the name. Other guy, yeah. I like that this version of Pinocchio, the reason that he isn't a real boy is because he can't die. Yes, it's the mortality. It's not that yeah. he's not a creature of flesh and blood, it's yeah. that he can't die. Well, yeah, this film is about mortality, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I really like the ending, where yeah, he's like yeah. waiting by Geppetto's grave and all that. Yeah, yeah, bleak. But that's why the musicals, the musical numbers didn't, Yeah, didn't yeah, really it does kind of... Yeah, it doesn't quite gel with that. Yeah. But I thought that was a really clever spin on it. Um, I like, obviously, the, the the design and everything of the afterlife, like I said at the beginning, like, the craft of this is mm. fantastic. Whatever, whoever the fuck came up with the idea of those, like, rats playing poker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like, hey, go see the boss. <laughs> but it was... Go away. <laughs> there was a part of it that felt like, um... Like something out of a, a college screenplay, almost. Like, ooh, yeah, that's an interesting idea, like, concept. I'll, I'll put that on my mood board. It's when they're in the church... And he's like, um, he's talking about the crucifix. Oh, yeah. And what's he say? Like, oh, he has nails. He's made of wood. He's and people like wood. him. Why don't they like me? Right. And it's like, uh, yeah, I see I see what you're doing there. Mm. Like, uh, yeah. Again, fine line. Because that, that could be a brilliant little observation. Yeah. Uh, like, Pinocchio doesn't realize the comparison that he's making. Yeah, he's looking yeah, yeah. at it completely superficially. He doesn't understand yeah. the power that that symbol holds. You're supposed to go, oh, how innocent and clever that was. Yeah. But you just kind of go, ugh. 
But by the same token as well, like, he doesn't realise the power that the symbol of the crucifix holds. No. He doesn't realise, like, how much of an abomination he is to these people. Yes. So he's just yeah. like, but they like that, and I'm that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're not that Pinocchio. No, you're not. But I mean, it's too mood body. Yeah, Do you know yeah. I mean? it's too. For me, it was. Well, like, it's it's not something that's ever like really addressed again. I don't. think. It's just a cool idea they have. Yeah, there's know? no like because like the fact that Pinocchio can't. I mean, he does die, but he comes back to life. Yeah, and like that period of time, take it like increases every time he goes to the afterlife. Yeah. But there's no, like, oh, he's like Jesus because he came back on the third day. There's no, like, Christ's no. allegory no, for the rest no, no, of the no. film. It's just that little bit. Yes. How do you feel about him... So, like, the third act happens and Pinocchio dies. Because mm. the deal with death is you have to wait for the hourglass to drain and then when it does, you go back to the living land of the living. Yes. But... Geppetto and everybody, they're being hunted by the sea monster, they're in trouble, and Pinocchio's like, no, I have to go back now. Mm. She's like, well, if you do that, you'll be mortal and you could die. Mm -hmm. And he's like, fuck it, that's what I want. Mm. Does that, dies. And then Jiminy Cricket is like, I wish him to be alive again. Yes. And that kind of restores his immortality. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? That, Like, Pinocchio died, but they kind of brought him back to life at the end. Because while I'm completely fine with the fact that like we see him outlive everyone that he loves yeah it's like that robot in Fargo yeah in that Fargo story yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like I can help yeah the, 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 that's nice yeah seeing him outlive everybody he loves yeah, yeah. but I don't know if I like that like Pinocchio survives I don't mind him coming back to life because the whole you know the whole premise of when you wish upon a star I don't mind that it's more that he's immortal again. Yeah. Like, bring him back, but he's mortal. Yeah. And in fact, that would be a nice thing, actually, because if the idea is immortality is a curse, mm. which it would be, mm. and he's he's not Carlo, but now he can understand what it's like to be Carlo, because yeah. he can die. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a much more satisfying ending. Yeah, like, now that he's come back, but can still die, yeah. now he's a real boy. And the final shot should have been, um, you know, like, Psycho. The final shot is him... Like working out how he's gonna get out of it, and then just all the sinister like eyebrows. Or yeah, like, it should have been him come back as a real as a real boy and telling a lie, realizing his nose doesn't grow, and the camera just tracks in him as he looks like devilishly <laughs> into the distance of what he can get away with. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a shame. Yeah, was a shame. or maybe the fact that yeah, I don't know. It just, it didn't sit with like. This is the Pinocchio film where you can kill Pinocchio. Yeah. You know? And they, yeah. and they didn't kill Pinocchio. Yeah, not properly. Because I feel like... I don't know. I'm, I'm just... I'm letting my mind wander at this point now. Mm-hmm. But the whole, like, Jiminy Cricket being a writer that kind of frames the story. Like, he's telling us the story that he wrote of Pinocchio. Yeah. That kind of continues after that character dies. Yeah. Because he starts describing about, like, oh, Pinocchio found my body on the windowsill one day. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. after that, the monkey... Yeah, I, I, that's one of that's one of my biggest pet peeves with yeah. um, like narrated stories is when they have information they have no reason that they you couldn't possibly yeah. have. Yeah. yeah, it just feels like that bit of the film kind of goes unresolved. That framing device goes unresolved. Yeah, yeah, and I maybe killing him would have remedied that. Yeah. Because, like, you could I don't know if there could have been like a whether there could have been a, mo- a thing where like Jimmy Cricket was like. It's not the people that live forever. It's the stories we tell. Yeah, it's the about memory them. that lives forever. And so here is the story of Pinocchio. You know, the the wooden boy that deserves to live in paper for eternity, or something yeah. like that. Well, but then he writes Pinocchio. 
Yeah. The Pinocchio story that we know yeah. comes from yeah. Pinocchio. This creature that was immortal yeah. chose to be mortal to save the ones it loved. And that's why it deserves to have its story told yes. throughout the ages. And so I am telling it to you now. You could make a you could make paper out of Pinocchio, couldn't you? <laughs> you could, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's been the book. Oh is my god, Pinocchio. I love that. I love that idea that like the story of Pinocchio is literally written on it, the corpse yeah, of on, Pinocchio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We sanded him down. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I, I don't know if that's horrific or like. Oh, it's the ir- best possible way you could honor that character. I think it's like a great idea. Mm. It's poetic and it's lovely, and it, like the original book or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it perfectly works because paper and wood and all that. Yeah. But it does make me think of the Ed Gein skin lamps and like the Holocaust when they made soap <laughs> out of you. <laughs> it makes me think of that. So I don't know. But that's yeah, like, sure on balance, it's good. Yeah, that's 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 such like the perfectly like fucked thing you could do with a de- with a with Del, Del Toro Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah. It was like the, the 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 original edition of Pinocchio is written on the wood that used to be his body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That wood is now paper. Yeah. And so when you read Pinocchio, Pinocchio is technically still with you. They say when the lights are out and the book returns to the shelf, sometimes you can hear it weeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think that's everything, right? Yeah, it was a... I didn't dislike it. No, I didn't hate it. It was a shame. I was, was a dis- massively let down. Yeah. But yeah. it's not a bad thing. That it's no, it's not a bad film. It. Yeah. It won the globe, didn't it? Did it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Should we review the menu? Food? <laughs> I die on fucking starving, but yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's right. You might detect a, a change in momentum of our, <laughs> yeah. our reviews. Uh, no, the menu. Uh, do you want to premise this one? Okay, so from what I understand, um, I say that as if I haven't watched <laughs> you it. Saw the, I've seen it twice. It's not complicated. <laughs> You've seen it twice. I've so seen it twice, yeah. yeah. Yes, so there is an island called Hawthorne Island, mm-hmm. and rich people go to this island... Like it's a, it's a thing, right? It's not like a one-off event for the film. It's no what what transpires is, but the, yeah, the general yeah. going to the there island. is a celebrity yeah. chef who operates off of Hawthorne Island, and rich people come to the island for a for an exclusive, unique, yeah, high, highly specified, yeah, dining experience, particularized dining experience, yeah. And we meet a group of rich people going to this island, and they go to the island, and they are given a tour, and they say, oh, look, here is the coastline. The fish that live off the coastline are being harvested for your dinner as we speak. Mm-hmm. And then they're taken into the restaurant, and they are served food. But there is a sinister undercurrent mm-hmm. running through the whole thing. The chefs, there's this sort of, like, cultish, like, quality that all of the chefs yes. have. It's like a cult of personality. It's like a cult of personality. The head, the, the, when the head chef comes in, he carries himself with this kind of like menace almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they're delivered the courses, things start to like... Initially, it's just like, oh, here's like um, uh, like uh, fish from around the island yeah, as, yeah. as like an, uh, an aperitif. Yes. And then they get to like the bread course and he's like, bread is the, the food of the poor. As such, you get no bread. Yes. So their bread, their bread course has no bread. No. And then, like, each course becomes more and more, like... Personal and, like, an attack, Yeah. Yes. You, you, you come to understand that these people that have gone there to dine are being held hostage, and they are his victims for the evening. Yes. He's enacting a kind of grand final... Yeah, a final meal. Perform, yeah. Yeah. Meal, a yeah. final course, final meal. His yeah. masterpiece. His masterpiece. It's a 
horror it's a comedy it's uh, hmm, interesting it's certainly a comedy dark um, comedy a dark comedy with thriller aspects i suppose i'm not sure i'd call it horror per se but yeah can, it does have horror tropes in it but yeah no it's more like a comedy th- dark comedy thriller. i think i think it has a lot of the the mystique that comes with horror because yeah. the motives are not clear yeah, yeah we yeah. should say that like the character that was our sort of point of view yeah. character is anya taylor joy who plays someone who is not supposed to be there spoilers we should specify that. No, I feel like it's revealed fairly early on that she's not supposed to be there, right? Oh, no, not that. I, I'm, I'm caveating. Oh, yeah, everything going, going forward yeah, yeah, is yeah. a spoiler. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, the point of view character is Anya Taylor-Joy. She's not supposed to be there. Yeah. It's a bit of a problem that she's not supposed to be there. Yeah, she she goes there with, with a date. Mm. She's like a last-minute replacement for this yeah. other woman. Yeah. And, yes, the, her attendance was not part of the plan. No. Yeah, so she is kind of the... The, the wrench the in the spanner works, in the, the works. spanner in the works yeah and she kind of manages to find a kind of communication with the head chef yeah like you take a special interest in her well she doesn't buy his bullshit and i think that's yeah, the thing that catches his attention everyone yeah. that's there is like hmm yes the food is mm. yes like even when they're given literally no bread they're like oh yes this is wonderful this is so exquisite yeah. and her date played by nicholas holt is, is a an ex- sycophant. An extreme sycophant who fawns over him and, yeah. and is, like, obsessed with reviewing food and, yeah. like, knows all the terms he's supposed to know and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so Anya Taylor-Joy is very good, mm. but I don't know why you cast her as the normal person. She's not the girl next door. Now, here's the thing. I know that, like, they try and qualify that or kind of... So, like, he says to her, she says, I'm the girl next door or something. And, and he says, you're, you're anything but the girl next door. Mm. And you find out that she's a high-class call girl. Yeah. But she is essentially meant to be normal working-class person. She likes cheeseburgers. Yeah. You know, um, the problem with that is that Anya Taylor-Joy exudes otherness. Yes. As a, She looks odd in a very beautiful way. Yeah, yeah. But she's not the girl next door, mm. is she? She's a model. Yes. So that's what she is. Yeah, yeah she does but, have this kind of, like, alien elegance she does, to her. She does, she does. But I, I do think high-class call girl is a good middle ground. Okay. Which is, it is both those worlds. Yeah. You know, spends time around those people and can fit in with them, but she's still a hooker. She, yeah, she's still, like, hard graft. She's still hard graft. Yeah. Yeah, Nicholas Holt is carving out a niche as man in crisis of masculinity. <laughs> He's done it, like, two or three roles now, uh, between this and The Favourite. And the great. Would you throw Fury Road in there? No, in that he's kind of like, even though yeah, he's not he's not stronger necessarily in the female characters. No, he's more like the demented. He's the redeemed man in that, isn't he? Yeah, that, okay, so. all right. Um, but like in the favorite and the great, where he's just bullied by women. Yeah, yeah. Ray Fiennes is great as always. Mm. He's very magnetic. Uh, I thought Hong Chao was a standout. She's the main, like... Yeah, his uh, go-to... I don't know server? What, I don't know. Yeah, I don't of, know what the chef term would yeah, be. Yeah, like, but, as yeah. they're eating, she wanders the tables to make sure everything is to their satisfaction, which it very quickly isn't. Yes. But that's all part of the plan. Yes. So she's fine with that. Yeah, she's very buttoned down and kind of, you're going to eat that now. Yeah. You know. Uh, yes. You will eat... What was the line? You will eat less than you desire and more than you deserve. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Pretentious food is a particular bugbear of mine. Yeah. Yes, um, I know it's meant it's it's ridiculing that kind of high society bullshit. Yeah, if I was there, I'd put up with it. As soon as he said no bread, I'd be off. Yeah, <laughs> if you're not giving me bread, mate, 
Nah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's great, funny, wanky dialogue. Mm. Every line, really, is, mm. is, I'd say it's quotable. The thing, it's all so quotable, you kind of forget most of it. Yeah. But the one that's like, still out to me, and it's it's by no means representative, because it's, it's relatively, it's not that colourful, but it's, um, they delivered one of the courses, and they have this food critic there, obviously incredibly pretentious, mm. and she's eating, she goes, mm, it's fiendish. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to punch her in the face. Um... And another great line is, it wasn't called you donkey. <laughs> That's a fucking great line. But all of it, the dialogue is very rich. Yeah. The taco laser image thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I know that's meant to be like a, a watershed moment where you kind of realize, yeah, something's really a foot. Yeah. Uh, and maybe so, maybe it's deliberate. But I found that was tacky. I was like, yeah. I, I'm like, yeah, I know. Tacky, yeah, exactly. Tacky, taco, yeah, literally. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I, there's a, there's a, a dash in tacky um, but that's the thing it's like dance and I don't really know whether a dance is good or not mm. like ballet I, I don't know the difference between shit ballet okay if they fall over and snap their hip I know it's bad yes but other than that you could fool me mm. same with food I don't know what's meant to be good food what's considered good food yeah uh, but I did know the taco thing it was like no that's cheap <laughs> do you know what I mean like I felt but maybe that's deliberate okay um, I like that it was all essentially in the restaurant mm. because I had some preconceptions about the film but didn't pan out and I was happy they didn't yeah A, oh yeah okay so if any like if anyone is still here in the spoiler section mm. that hasn't seen the film yet I feel like right rich people go to an island where a chef has sinister intentions ooh I know where this is going yes it doesn't go there it doesn't no and yeah, so I thought it would be, it would start in the restaurant mm. and then they are unleashed on the island to be hunted. Yeah. And so it would be on the, it would span the island. They only very briefly go outside, but they put a lot of that in the trailer to create the impression. Yes. I also thought that it would be a recurring thing. That's what he does. He gets rich people on his island and he murders them. Mm. That's not the case either. Nope. This is a one-off. Yeah. I'm glad it benefited from that. Yeah. As villains go, if you can call him a villain, which I suppose he is. He has to be one of the most sympathetic I've ever encountered <laughs> in film. Yeah. I was totally on his side. Yeah. For the whole... It was like, yeah, kill him. Yeah. Kill him slowly. <laughs> it's completely shallow mm. and very, very fun. Oh, yeah. This is... Yeah. yeah. This is a fun film. It's fun. Yeah. It's entertainment. Yeah. There is, like, some, like, you know, oh, it's... Um, yeah. There's, there's, like, a satire of, like, celebrity chefs and... Yeah, kind it's, of it's not shallow world. in, like, it's... It, it's basic it's mm. like as shallow goes it's the best you're gonna get mm. that and glass onion which we'll get to <gasps> given the way his opinion but, but you know what I mean like they're not you wouldn't call them art per se they are, they are fun but they're very they're high class fun they're like yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hit us up Anya yeah, yeah. <laughs> as fucking if <laughs> um, I really liked it and I liked it more than I thought I would because, mm. to me, because it was like the last film of the year I hadn't seen that I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, I think I said to you before, it, before I saw it, it was like one too many films. Mm. It was like a film that was a candidate to be to be something I liked. But after Glass Onion and after all these other things, it was like... Yeah, it doesn't feel like a grand finale. No, it doesn't. It feels like more after the grand finale. So like, I can understand why you felt like that. Well, it just felt too... To continue with the food metaphor. Yeah, too rich. Mm. It felt like 
I've had my fill. Yeah. I don't need more sugar now. Yeah. You know? I was sated. I had my veg, my very tasty veg with the banshees of Inner Sharon. Mm. I had my dessert with, yeah, glass onion. Spoiler. We liked it. <laughs> I don't need this. Yeah. This is like too much now. Uh, but I did. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I made room. <laughs> I, I made room. I can always make room. It's yes. something I should have learned by now about myself. <laughs> Yeah. What's that? You've had two Sundays. Yeah, I can have a box of Maltesers. <laughs> and another Sunday, please. Um, <laughs> with yeah, the Maltesers. With the Maltesers, yeah. yeah. Malteser Sunday. Mm. Uh, we're going to have to order food. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like talk too much about it. Because it's, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's fun. And I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think you will too. Yeah, that's it really. Yeah. There's like there is no use talking about the ending or anything approaching the ending. There, there's nothing to say about it really. No, it's all self-explanatory. It's simple. It's yeah, yeah, oh yeah, you'll get it. There's yeah. no ambiguity. There's no wanky like. No. Oh, that ending probably meant something to someone. It ends. Yeah, it finishes it, and that's it, it. Yeah, we recommend it. Absolutely, that's it. Yeah, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. So, so what, what, what do you think of this film, Sam? I mean, well, I'd be interested to hear what you thought. Well, I, I'd like it. Oh, good. Okay. I was worried about diminishing returns okay. after Knives Out, but I don't... Okay, I don't think it's as good as Knives Out. I'll start by saying that. Well, that was going to be my, like, end of review question. Yeah. But fine. Yeah, okay, let's do it now. Yeah. I, but I, I don't think... The film doesn't suffer from diminishing returns, but equally, I don't think it's as good as Knives Out. Well, it's a very different film to Knives it Out. It is. Like, it has enough that this could be a series. Yeah. There's enough connective tissue while, like, both of them still feel like their own distinct entities. Yeah. So in a way, it's almost unfair to compare them. For one thing, Daniel Craig is a lot goofier in Glass yes, Onion. Yes, he is. Not, like, different character goofier, mm. but he's a lot goofier than he Well, he's more of a character in a way. Yeah. Even though, still, he's not necessarily the central character. He is still... Uh, he does have more character than he does in Knives Out. Yeah. Where he is ornamental. Yes. And in this, we kind of see some of his home life. and Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now there's some distance from COVID. I mean, it's still around, obviously. But I'm okay with the COVID set film now. I am, but... I mean, it's not a big deal in the film. Well, that's the thing. Like, you've got the sort of, like, the first few minutes, the first few, se- the first few scenes, I should say. Yeah where it's set during COVID and they're wearing masks and characters that aren't social distancing, a big deal is being made of the fact that they're not. Mm. And then Ethan Hawke shows shows up and he's like, open your mouth. Yeah. And then he sprays some of his juices in them. Yeah. And they're cured. And COVID never comes up again. Strangest strangest but very welcome cameos. Yeah. He's great in it. We'll get to him. (laughs) He's a central part of my review. Um... (laughs) Yeah, but so all the sitcoms and one-off dramas, with the exception of Help, that covered it, covered COVID at the time, mm. felt too opportunistic. Yeah, uh, not a cynical way, but like just taking advantage of current events. Mm. And obviously, that's what we're meant to do to some degree. But you just knew a lot of it would age poorly, yeah, or quickly, or otherwise just fade from memory. Mm. But by dint of the masks, Glass Onion feels like a period piece. Yeah, that's what's strange about it is that it's. The setting, the time period, uh, like modern day, it's set in modern day, but it doesn't like need to be. 
No. They could have just not brought up COVID and it wouldn't have impacted the film at all. They could have got away yeah. with it. I think that was kind of a bit of autobiographical thing, really, where, like, he said he wrote during COVID. He just fantasized about a Greek island. Yeah. So you just kind of put that in the drama. Which is fine. But, like, the kind of all the modernity, as in yes. the modern life that's in this film, has been modern life for long enough outside of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That it doesn't feel like it needs to be rooted in the now. Yeah. Especially since, like, this is. A murder mystery, as was Knives Out. Mm-hmm. But it's a murder mystery with a twist. Yes. In that it was written by Ryan Johnson. And he has somehow managed to take a genre that has a limited lifespan by design. Mm. And has turned them into something that is like infinitely rewatchable. Yeah, because they're fun. Because they're fun and also they're layered. Yes. I mean, the benefit like with Knives Out was the Spoilers for Knives Out? I mean, yeah. Yeah. The benefit of, like, what Knives Out had going for it is it starts as a murder mystery and it spends those first, like, 30, 40 minutes introducing you to the characters, setting up their motives, laying traps for you, and then it goes, this is the killer. Mm -hmm. And it goes, not only is this the killer, but it was totally on accident. It's not a murder. It's not a murder. Yeah. And the rest of the film is this person trying to stop the murder being solved. Yes. It's like, ooh, okay, Something completely different, but I'm totally invested in. And yeah. it, like, makes perfect sense. And it still fits within that framework. But it's like, yeah, it's, like, different. And Glass yeah, Onion it's has, it's like has its own little thing where it's like, yeah. this is a murder mystery. No, it's not. Yes. Well, it is. But just not in the way that you thought it was. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, There's layers to it that, be, that the film reveals to you later yes. on. Well, Ryan Johnson's politics are clear. Mm-hmm. But the film is executed with such wit and panache. I didn't find it detracting, really. No, I didn't, to the point where I'm surprised. I've been surprised by the amount of people to whom this seems to have detracted for them. Yeah, yeah. People I think that we would typically, if not wholeheartedly agree with, people that we would go, yeah, I generally align with. I I, I see what you're saying, are coming out completely against it. It's like, oh, this is a terrible film with awful politics. It's like, well, I... I managed to enjoy it still, so I'm surprised. I don't agree with any of his politics, I would imagine. No. But I liked it, because mm. it's not all about that, Yeah, you know? Like, this and, whole, like, oh, he's clearly Elon Musk, and it's the film yes. is calling e- Elon Musk, and by extension, all billionaires, idiots. Well, like, it's... Well, okay, but it's I, the, I Elon, Elon Musk is actually an idiot, and the, the true genius is a black woman. Mm. It's that kind of typical wokey kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's... Yeah, it's not... It's not there enough for you to be annoyed about it, I no. don't think, anyway. Benoit Blanc being gay works. Yeah. Really works. Hugh Grant being his partner. Well, that's the thing. You made Hugh Grant his partner. Yeah. So it's I'm, like, I, fine. I'm I want to watch that. Yeah. I want to watch that film. Uh, yeah, it was nice that Blanc had a bit more character stuff. Mm. Sharp, crisp, colourful, fun dialogue. Yeah. The standout to me, it kind of slips between the cracks, but it, it's my puzzle guy. It's just a throwaway bit of dialogue. It's like, my puzzle guy did like blah, blah, blah. The fact he has a puzzle. Guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, in Breathe Eight and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, a lot of that stuff does come back at the end. It does. But, yeah, it's, like, as an isolated, like, line. Yeah, there's a nice bit of over, like, just, again, throwaway dialogue um, where Norton's talking to someone. He says, Frusante is he's really the heart of the Chili Peppers. I'm with him there. I agree with that. The guitarist. <laughs> I love the visual style. Mm. I love the trinkets and devices and costumes and mm. the names 
you know, like very colourful kind of genre stuff. It's nice to see a film that's that's this colourful. I feel like yeah. films aren't this colourful anymore. No. Yeah, it shines, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a line in it that is clearly meant to be the funniest, best line in the film. Mm. And it probably is in terms of delivery. I'm annoyed because it's the kind of thing, the the friend that we've brought up before that he would love. I right. think it's the best line, but it kind of is. What is reality? What oh. is reality? Just <laughs> yeah. that delivery was fantastic. Yeah. I oh am, yeah, fantastic performances all around. Yeah, right? particularly Janelle Monet. Yeah. I understand why she's getting the accolades. Yeah, because like, like the first half of the film, it's not clear, is it? No, because we knew going in, oh, like awards had started and she was being nominated a lot. Hmm. And why? Yeah. And then you, you get why. I think equally deserving, almost equally as deserving, Edward Norton. Mm. I thought he was really good. And Ethan Hawke, yeah. <laughs> he made an impression. He's become a proper chameleon, that guy. Yeah. Just like his grey hair and the ponytail. He's like, who is this man? You know? <laughs> he's just like, he's so, so magnetic on screen, Ethan Hawke. Mm. He's become brilliant. It's funny if you go back and watch like Dead Poet Society, his first film, and how nervous he is. Yeah. And then he like first reformed and yeah, fair play to him. Mm. Black phone as well. Black phone, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not as clean and pure as Knives Out, uh, but it's still fantastic. The setup I found was more fun than the peel back. Them arriving there and like getting to know those characters and all that kind of thing. Mm. But the latter is still very satisfying. Yeah, especially when details that your brain had pushed aside or overlooked are addressed. Yeah, I think with mysteries, there tends to be a resignation, right? So when something small doesn't make complete sense. Your brain just thinks it's not important or I'll wait for the reveal and it might make sense on the rewatch mm. or I've missed something. It doesn't matter. A little thing like Andy Janamine hiding from Miles in the corridor after, spoiler, uh, Duke is killed. Mm. It's the perfect example of something you might dismiss. Yeah, she's just hiding. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a shot. It's a frame, basically. Yeah. But when contextualized, really builds your confidence in the filmmaker. Mm. And it's more rewarding that way. Yeah. It creates the accurate impression that it's well made. Yeah. And I really like this structure for this series, it seems, with Benoit Blanc. It's the Benoit Blanc series, but he's never really the lead. Yeah. I like that a lot. Mm. Yeah. Because even though he's the, the one saying, oh, this is what everything is. Yes. These are all the players. These are all the pieces on the board. This is the game that we're playing. Yeah. He's never part of the solution. Well, it's because he, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't really have an emotional attachment to what's going on. He does a little bit more in this one. Yeah. But it's not his thing. It's, yeah. you have an Anadarmus in the first one, you have Janelle Monet in this one. Yeah, he's a detective. He solved the case. It's nothing to do with him anymore. Yeah. He's not the heart of the story. Yeah. There has been dissent to this film. Okay. Obviously, not just political. Yeah. The, the descent has festered a little bit, I gotta say. Okay, within you. Yeah, the plot stuff. There is some silly plot stuff. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> okay, let's just do this. I, I, I did, is it worth doing it? I mean, like, is it, it, it's, so, it's so convoluted and contrived to Well, you brought it up there. now. Well, I'll just say... Right, watch the, we recommend the film, yeah? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's very good. We both really enjoy it. Yeah. And we are not politically aligned with the film, so that shouldn't be a consideration. Why does Miles send Andy a box? I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. And that's not my observation. We should credit this to mm. Ben Shapiro, who hated the film. Yeah. Uh, for a bunch of reasons. 
Uh, but plot-wise, he is on the money, where a lot of it is doesn't make any sense. Yeah, which is... It's a shame, because there's so much in this film that does work. Yeah, and the, so much to love as well. Yeah, the when you hear about things like that, you think Ryan Johnson must have just not realised. Yeah. Like, y- he y- just completely yeah. missed it. Because there's no way that you could write a script that, like, is designed in the fashion that it is. Mm. And you're not like you're just kind of bluffing your way through. I it. know, because I, I always we I always think this right. Whenever we f- find a plot hole in something, mm. but we still really like the thing, whatever it is, I go. I know if I was writing that, it would never get made. Yeah, and it's that constant struggle of do you just have to ignore certain things because mm. nothing's perfect. Yeah, because if you if you're that rigid, nothing will ever get fucking done. But that's a biggie. The boxing is a biggie. Yeah. And I, I would well, the film doesn't happen if that plot hole is. That's addressed. the thing. So I would, I want to say, oh, you overlooked it, but you need it for the film to happen. Yeah. And so he just kind of, eh, it's fine. Maybe. Yeah. I kind of part of me is thinking, is it as an alibi? Like if he still sends her a box after she's supposedly dead. Yeah. Pli- yeah, but, but the, the film doesn't give me that. No, I'm it assuming it doesn't. That. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else to say about it? Not really. Yeah, it's like the COVID stuff. Like, I I get it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I needed it. No, like, I didn't need it because Knives Out has a completely timeless quality to it, even though it's set in modern day and there's yeah. modern technology. I mean, it, yeah. it's helped by the fact that a lot of it's set in that manor house, mm-hmm. and the fact that this is set on some like rich guy's Greek island, yeah, separate from the rest of the world. It could also have adopted a timeless quality. If only because of the type of story that it's telling as well. Like, this kind of, like, subverted murder mystery. Yeah, It's yeah. all... Audiences are always going to connect with a story like this. Well, yeah. And so the COVID stuff at the beginning... I don't think it's going to have a massive impact on the film. No. For, like, future generations that have to, like, n- be reminded of what COVID was. Like, well, our grandchildren. Well, the very first thing in the film is March 2020. Yeah. It, it puts it in a, yeah. know, in a certain time. And, I mean, yeah, it's barely in it. And you don't need it. But, I mean, the whole thing of he's kind of experiencing cabin fever and he's just in the bath and he's waiting for a case. And yeah. I get that. And I do like the suggestion that, you know, this billionaire just has a cure. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that. Th- yeah. Those deals are nice. Yeah, it's, it, it's, not, a, it's not a big thing. Mm. Um, and the film really, other than like the, the dialogue the, and the colour of it, it is the plot. And there's no point us really talking about the intricacies of the plot because no. that's what the film is. Yeah, it, it robs you of that experience. Yeah. Um, but the film did a lot to fill me with confidence going forward. There yeah. are like things that the film. There are moments like after a certain event happens, that event is revisited by characters through yeah. conversation and, yeah. and memories and whatnot. And those revisitations are somewhat distorted, mm. and the film reinforces those distortions. Yes. But there are some things... I know that I'm, I'm talking vagaries at yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah. It'll become clear when you watch it. Yeah. There are certain things that the film does not distort. Mm. And on subsequent, real, uh, on subsequent rewatches, you realise, oh, the film told me something was happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a character is introduced... The glass. The glass, yeah. yeah. And the, the, like a character is called by a certain name. Yeah. Which isn't their name. Yes. And you don't even register it. Yeah. And then when that you, re- you revisit that scene after all the revelations about that character has come out, mm. you realise, oh, 
He called her that name before. Why did but, I not even pick I, up on I that? I tell you what, though, right? Because there's like he like Ryan Johnson knew that like that wasn't going to be distracting. No, to the audiences. I, I, I audiences went, would miss it. Yeah, I went into in. this film with goodwill because I really like Knives Out. Yeah, I, I wanted to really like it. Mm. But that aside, it is interesting how much your brain is willing to just bat away mm. for the sake of cohesion. Especially since when you're writing the script for this film, yeah, you have to draw attention to that detail. Or at the very least, that yeah. detail is there for you to revisit at any moment. Yes, because there's, yeah, there's, there's a character. So you as a person, you as a filmmaker have to know, oh, audiences just won't pick up on it, I promise you. Yeah, that's you need to have real insight for that kind of thing. Yeah. There's a character who's not called Helen, Mm. that he calls Helen. Yeah. And I did pick up on it when he fir- when he first said it, mm. right? But that's the thing. It, it, this is what I'm talking about, the brain doing so much work for, for life to make sense, is I didn't... It didn't go... Even though I, it knew I was watching a murder mystery, yeah. it didn't go, ooh, you should, like, remember that. Mm. He called her Helen. I just thought, you know, like... Um, at one point, he's eating a little hot sauce, and he goes, Helen, bury that. Oh, right. To me, him, like, bumping into this person, going, Helen, was just one of his southern... Oh, right, okay. Oh, hell, oh, hell. Well, that's even more impressive. Do you know what I mean? Because I didn't pick up on it. And then yeah. when, he, when he calls her Helen, after we realise who she is, yeah. that's when I realised, oh, they haven't changed the dialogue from the first scene, so he yeah. must have called her Helen back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you... I know it's sure that it was Helen. And still, recognized that it was Helen. And my brain just went, yeah, don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's even more impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it's the brain is obviously always trying to make sense of things. Yeah, and yeah. when things don't quite line up, mm. like her hiding from Edward Norton, mm. you just ignore it. Go, yeah, I get it. It, it must make sense, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. then you see why it does. And you go, oh, yeah, that's really well yeah. put together. Shame about the box. Yeah. Shame about that box. It is and, a shame. And, and, the, and the, the journal. That's another thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we recommend it. Yeah, it didn't ruin the film for us. No, not at all. Not at all. Nor do I feel like it will ruin the film for you. No, you like it, whoever you are. Yeah. You will like it. Shall we move on to the final item? Ooh. Yeah. This is the big one. This is the big one. Well, you say that. Oh? Oh, as in like I don't lengthwise. I don't know how long it's actually going to. Oh no, I didn't mean lengthwise. Just oh, yeah, in terms yeah. of oh, like, yeah, this, this is the important one. Yeah. yeah, this is the reason you're watching. Oh, sorry, this episode. do you want to do it again? <clears throat> so, do it again. Okay, go on. Say it's like the big. Oh, yeah. ooh, the big one. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is this is the biggie. Well, this is the reason. I feel like if anyone's going to be listening to this episode, mm. this is the bit you skip to, right? I suppose. If you all give a all, shit about all, our all of the shit that came before yeah. was just like whatever. <laughs> yeah. This is the bit that I've come for. Yeah. And fair enough, you know? This is the bit that I've been looking forward to as well. Okay. Should I begin? So this is our this is our top ten TV and film shows together of twenty twenty two. TV and film shows. That is that what I just said? I think that's what you said. I think you're right this time. Yes. I think that is what I said. Yeah. I meant it. <laughs> I'm yeah. sticking with I'm it. I'm sticking with it. I'm rolling with it. I will see where our it takes top, us. Our top 10 TV shows and films of 2022. So we should say that yeah, this is a together. top 10 list. Yes, where they're merged. Where they are merged, yeah. So these are the top 10 things of 2022. Yes. Okay. Number 10, for me, is season one of The Bear. Another thing we should have stipulated <laughs> is oh, that... What's this going to happen? <laughs> if I have a film or a TV show that's in my list, which is higher up than your list, mm-hmm. 
We will wait. We will wait until we come to the one that's later on. Yeah. So say your number 10 is my number 5. Yes. We will talk about it when it's my number 5. Not the other way around, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. We talk about mine. Yeah, yours yeah. takes priority. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, okay. So, so in, we will... Yeah. In this instance, we cannot yet talk about the base okay. series one. Also, also... If we've talked about it previously on the podcast, we will mention where it was. Yes. So the bear, it was a brief review in episode... Well, well when we save it till be your review. Till our mutual review. Okay. Yes. You won't know until then. Yeah, there you go. You, you're only listening to this if you've listened to every other episode. <laughs> uh, okay, number... Oh, what's your number 10? Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, 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 we go yeah, back yeah, and yeah, forth yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, this is... We don't have to... We can just do it. And that will, they will get the gist of what we're doing. Yeah. I think we have to say, right, just to prepare you, I'm going to do my number 10. Okay, and Sean will fine. Do number we'll t- just keep going. We'll just do it. Go on. Okay, my number 10 of the year yeah. is Bad Sister Season 1. Right, we're going to wait. Right, we're not going to talk about that either. <laughs> my number 9 is Mass, the film, which I know you haven't seen. I have not seen, and it's 2021 for me because I go off international release date. Yes. So talk about it. You should never to your heart's watch content. It. You should watch it. Okay, why? Uh, well, it's why. A, well, I refer you to episode fifty-eight, Jordan. Oh, where you can find, I, I think, a brief, relatively brief review. Probably. Uh, it's it's a, a drama essentially set in one room with two couples, uh, two parents, groups of parents, one of whom are the parents of a school shooter, and the other a victim of that shooter. And they get together in like a, a room in a church. Mm. It's the first time they're sitting down together to have a conversation. And do, we, do we? I think I asked this during the review. Yeah. Do we know who orchestrated this, or is this just one of those things that's happened? It's through like a, a, an organization. Okay, like there's a, a woman representative who's like, right, we've got you. You know, you're the here's where you're sitting and all that kind of thing. Okay, but then they leave him to it, and it's uh, Jason Isaacs. Um, I should have written down the actors. Uh, the, the standouts are Jason Isaacs and Anne Dowd. Okay. They're brilliant in it. Right. Really, really good. It's a very simple film. It's it's very theatrical, mm. as in, you know, it's like a play. Frank Kranz wrote and directed it. The guy in Cabin in the Woods that's the stoner. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's his uh, directorial debut. Yeah. Uh, it's very worth a watch. Okay. Yes. Is okay. it a bit grim? Well, it's not a light-hearted romp. No. Um, but is it a bit grim in like a good way well it's sad yeah yeah yes it's not melodramatic though okay it's just a well acted drama good okay. okay my number nine is Puss in Boots The Last Wish okay I ain't seen this yet you ain't seen this yet because this is this year for me yes because of more release date tomfoolery yes um, so I do it properly Puss in Boots The Last Wish yes is the best animated film of 2022 okay and it deserves the Oscar Pinocchio's gonna beat it Puss in Boots The Last Wish <laughs> Is the best animated film, yeah. and it deserves the Oscar. I believe you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. What a massive surprise! I was mm. not expecting anything of this. Mm. I think, like, when everyone's reaction when Puss in Boots Two was first announced and advertised, because I think this has been in production hell for ages. <laughs> was a big whatever. Yeah, no, it's just genuinely a, a like big what? Well, I don't even care. What's that? I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely, just like okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. Yeah. Um, and then trailers came out. And it seemed like they'd adopted the kind of Spider-Verse animation, which I think Bad mm. Guys, which is also a DreamWorks film that came out earlier this year, okay. kind of took from that as yeah. well. Where it's sort of, it's, it is 3D, 3D animation, 
but it's aping a lot of the um, technique and aesthetic of 2D animation as well. Didn't like the bad guys animation. No, bad guys, this is definitely better. Yeah. This does it better, because whereas uh, in Spider-Verse, it's inspired by comic books, mm. so you've got very, like, bold, stark colour choices, you've got panels and, like, speech bubbles or whatever it is, and there's no, like, focus racking, it's all, like, yeah. uh, they use chromatic aberration mm-hmm. to sort of, like, imply distance. Mm-hmm. All techniques that are used in comic books... This is taking more after like watercolors, so it's like fairy right. tale paintings. Right, right, right. Okay. So even though it has that kind of like drop frames dynamism, mm-hmm. especially in its action scenes that Spider Verse has, it looks like if indeed they took inspiration directly from Spider Verse, mm. it looks like they looked at that film and went and rather than said right, we want to do that. Yeah, they said right, what's good about that, mm. and how do we make it work for us? So it's got a bit of a loving Vincent about it, is it? Yeah, it's not as it's not as much. Yeah, like not that. as full on as that. Like, but like it's the watercolor effect. Yeah, like, yeah. like like a lot of the backgrounds. If you pay attention to them, they okay. have a kind of like brushstrokey kind okay. of texture to them. But the characters still look like yes. three animated yes. characters. I mean, Puss in Boots has never looked this good on film. It's also like probably my favorite portrayal it's of Puss in Boots. No, it's just like <laughs> it's just like it feels like a full blown character, right? Which is a massive surprise because I think even in his, I don't even remember the first Puss in Boots film, and I definitely went to see it in the cinema. Mm. But yeah, like again, much like Spider Verse, it feels like an actual. The film is actually dealing with that character. It's sort of like take, well, taking someone yeah. who has a legacy to them, and it's separating from that them from that legacy. I want to. I want to just say now, don't blow your load because we'll probably review this film. Yeah, we probably yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying to you now. Yes. this is what I loved about it. Yeah, other than just the amazing animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a character that is separated from its legacy, and the film goes right. Are you even worthy of that legacy? Mm. Oh, you think you are? Prove it. Right. And that's one of the things that I was, like, really surprised about. It was just like, yeah, this is, like... I thought this was just going to be, like, shitty filler studio fare. And it feels like a film with ambition and a point. Okay. And also, it's one of the best-paced films. In terms of, like, snappy animation and editing. It's one of the best-paced films of the year. Highly recommend it. I'm going to say... Refer you to episode 68... For that uh, review. Okay. Oh, you're you're yes. stamping it in the calendar. I am. Okay. Okay. Uh, my number eight is season three of Evil. We can talk about this. I'm actually kind of gutted because Evil was on my list. I just didn't have... I hadn't seen the first two seasons. Yeah. It was too much to catch up on in the time well, I, I had. Well, I can't really review it without reviewing the show. It's basically about a group of three professionals yeah. that work for the church. Uh, one of them is a skeptical psychologist mm. one of them's a priest who does exorcisms and the like and one's kind of like a technical expert okay the computer guy and on the surface it's like oh the computer guy that you know but it's a lot better than that premise suggests yeah and they uh, are sent by the church to investigate claims of supernatural well not supernatural but you know religious experiences and mm. possessions and all that kind of thing and the show's just fucking mental. Right. It's mental. Okay. And but and season three, it's not fun mental or yeah. conceptually mental. Oh both. Or, okay. It has a sense of humour, a really dark sense of humour, a really strange sense of humour. Okay. Where it's dealing with the it's very it's very serious. Mm. It's dealing with these very like religious themes and crises of faith and visions of angels and all these kinds of things. But then it, it'll have like the main character is taunted nightly by a demon that comes into her room. That's like almost like has Jewish, 
a Jewish stand-up shtick about him. Right, okay. Like, hey, yeah, no, hey, I don't, you know. Perspiring um, audibly. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, that different kind of Jewish. Okay. I'm talking about the, the cigarette smoker Jewish. Oh, right, That's okay. Woody Allen. That's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Perspiring audibly. <laughs> Great line. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a very unique creature. It, the tone of it is very unusual mm. between uber serious and the whole thing's a joke and... I recommend it, you know. I yeah. the performances are all great. Michael Amerson, who played Ben and Lost, is in it as this weird creep that just wants to incite evil okay. everywhere. Yeah, just you're gonna watch it. Yeah, uh, maybe we can review like the first three seasons or something on a later okay. episode. Well, the the question that I have to you, which I suppose can close out this little section, yeah. evil wasn't something that you brought to my attention until season three. Okay, so does that imply that this is? the bar has been raised by season three or is the show of consistent quality? It's pretty consistent. I think it's more confident in season three. Okay. It, it's a little bit bigger. Right. And it's just been on long enough. It's kind of proven itself now. Okay. It's not a fluke. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, evil season three. Okay. What's your number And by eight? extension? The rest of it The rest well. of it. Yeah, yes. cool. All right. My number eight is Boiling Point. We go away. Ooh. Number, my number seven is season one of Bad Sisters. So okay, all right, that. okay, we're finally yes. catching up to ourselves. Uh, we refer you to episode 64 for a yes. little review. you reviewed it. Yeah. I hadn't seen it at the time. Yes, it's not a long review. No, it's not a long review, yeah, but it but was it's... that review that was... That review did sort of prompt me to go see yeah. it. Because I was aware of it, like, outside of the podcast. It was just one of those things where I was yeah. like, oh, I missed that, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were like, no. Give it a go. Give it a go. And yeah. I did. It's good. And it's good. What can we say about it? There's... I do want to say something about it, but it's a negative. Go ahead. But it's basically the only negative that I have about it, well, which is why a, I want to bring it, it up. It's qualified. It's in your top 10 things of the year. Yeah, it's, so my, it's, my, tenth, it's my fifth favorite show, 10th favorite thing yes. of the year. But it's the reason that it's at the bottom of the list. Okay. Almost kicked out of the list, mm-hmm. even. The, yeah, I, we won't go like deep into the premise or anything like that, but obviously the main villain of the show, I suppose, yes. is the, the husband, yeah. John Paul. Mm-hmm. And he is a vile, awful, evil piece of shit. Yes. But the thing that I really like about the show yeah. is that even though you're on the sister's side completely, and they have every right, and they, they have every like reason yeah. to take his life, mm-hmm. technically, he's done nothing wrong. Yes. Even if everything that he'd done was like, Deliver- told as it was to somebody. Yeah, legally he's done nothing. Legally, yeah. he's done nothing. Morally, wrong. he's a pig. Morally, he's a pig. Yeah. But there are even little moments as well, like with um, Ursula's affair, where it's like, yeah, technically, he is in the right because he's right. like, tell your husband, end the affair. Sure. It's the way he goes about it. Yes. Which is so like awful and well, disgusting. He's a cunt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But legally, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has done nothing wrong and they are completely in the wrong for what they are doing. Yeah. But the show manages to like, balance that really well mm-hmm. and it punishes the sisters according, accordingly what happens to BB at the end of series 5 episode sorry uh, what yeah. happens to BB <laughs> at the end of episode 5 yeah genuinely affected me right because I was like I like that character but just like the like what she brings upon that person mm-hmm. and how that affects her yes that like really hit for me I don't know what it was it was just like oh that's a horrible that's such a specific fate yeah and it's the worst fate that character could have, like, had yeah. for her. Yeah. Like, the show really understands its characters because it knows how to punish them properly. Mm-hmm. Same with um, the youngest sister yes. in episode nine. That's probably the worst thing that could have happened yes. to her. 
And then when it comes to like episode 10, like the very end of the show, they start to pull out revelations regarding John Paul where it's like, oh, he has actually done stuff that's legally wrong. Yeah. They're bringing out like the really big guns at the end. And not just like, yeah, legal is one thing, obviously. And like, forget the legal thing. He does thing. he has done things that are morally repugnant. Yeah. And he was already horrible before that, mm. but horrible in a very recognizable, he's just a cunt. It, it feels you like the show I mean? was going, you know that guy in yeah. your life? Yeah. That guy? He's just... We're going to yeah. fuck him up for he's you. He's just a, a, a loathsome, oozing dickhead yeah. that you just don't want to be around. But he hadn't actually done anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, because legal, it feels like it's it's something else. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's no, like, hard boundary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was one of the things that's really interesting about the show, is there's no hard boundary yeah. to, like... But no, at the end, it feels like the show's going, all right, he is an evil cunt. He did the worst thing possible. Yeah. He deserves to die. Yeah. There's no ambiguity about this. Yeah. I just thought, oh... Yeah, I like... Yeah, it was an interesting... Yeah, nuance. It, it lost like he, it. It lost its edge in that moment. It feels like it sacrificed its yeah. edge for the sake of justifyingly having an, a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. And for the, that's the reason. That's the one negative I have about it. Everything else, I really, really like. Yeah, this is the thing though. Like when we watch shows, our ethics kind of go out the window because we're invited to sympathize with characters that do heinous things. Yeah, and you understand it, and you kind of live vicariously through them or whatever. Obviously them killing him would be wrong and all the rest of it. But in the context of watching a TV show, mm. he didn't need to have done what he did. He'd already done enough. I w- I'm with them. Yeah, kill him. Yeah. He's a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a TV show and I don't have to think of, you yeah, know, yeah. in that way. Um, yeah, so I, yeah wouldn't, no, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought any less of them for no, actually succeeding. To- totally with it. Um, so, yeah, I agree. But I agree. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I, th- I think the fact that not only is it stuck with me, mm. but that something that is ostensibly a piece of entertainment yeah. is also able to kind of like inspire these conversations. Yeah. When I, you talk about like, oh, yeah. I, I like, I am on the sister's side, but is he really? Like- it was, it was a real surprise to me. Yeah. The show. And uh, I think it's pretty much the cast of the year. Mm. They're all great. Yeah. Um, believable as a family, like genuinely Oh, they're believable. sisters. Yeah. They are sisters. Yeah. Even if they don't necessarily look alike. It's just a, yeah, it's a fantastic cast. Yeah. And I probably said everything else I want to say in yeah. the review. It's good. It's good. Apart from that one thing, it's really good. So you're number seven now? Is that where we're at? Yes. Yes, go on then. Season one of Severance. Well, my, my number six is season one of Severance. Oh, okay, all right. So let's do it. All right. Okay, we'll delay it. Right, go. Me, uh, me go? Yeah, because it's your six, because we skipped my seven to talk about your six. Oh, so I got to talk about it. That's the way it works, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll refer- I'll jump in. I'll, right. I'll refer to episode sixty then. That's All right. Where, okay. That's where we talked. Was I think? Yeah. Did we talk about it or did I just talk about? I it? I think you brought it up in a right. like it very was, brief. Yeah, it was like yeah. thirty seconds of a two-hour catch-up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think what you said was basically, I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but watch it. Yes. And really, I'm that, tempted to leave it. There. Yeah, really, that's yeah. all I could say about it as well. Um, there, again, I like a couple of things I have to say about it are negatives, but yeah, I do broadly really, really like the show. Yeah, I like the design of it. I like the direction that it takes. I like the way that it treats a lot of its characters. Yeah, I mean, there's a character in it that I really didn't like mm-hmm. because I felt like his role, not just within the group, well, not less so in the group. I see why he was there. 
but like his role within the show because mm-hmm. he was kind of like a more overtly comedic character. Yeah. I felt that was kind of superfluous. Well, we can say, is this Zach Cherry? It's Zach, Zach Cherry's Zach character because yeah, yeah. okay. the show is so idiosyncratic mm-hmm. and tightly wound. Mm-hmm. It sort of doesn't need a comedic character. Yeah. Because it's just so, like it reaches the point where just the idea of a character eating an egg is funny. Yeah, surreal. It's so, it's yeah, surreal. it becomes so surreal. It's like Kaufman-esque weird funny. Yeah. yeah. And so to shove a, an overtly comedic character in the middle there. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're giving the plebs a chance to catch up. Right. Oh my. That sounds a bit elitist, I know. But like, it does feel like the show's going, oh, right, we'll stick something well, in there to kind of... for the plebs necessarily. It's just like, it's considered a necessity, isn't it? You have yeah. to have a comedic character. But um, yeah. when the show kind of pulls him into the yes. narrative happenings, I ended up really liking him. Yeah. So... I think he's the weakest in the one. ensemble. Yeah. But it's a good ensemble. It is a very good ensemble. Uh, love our cat. Love Adam Scott, mm. um, Totoro, all good. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the design of it is yeah brilliant. Ben Stiller directing, of course. Yeah, and it and like properly directing as well. Like yeah. these are proper scenes that have proper design. He's become a proper director. Yeah, after escaping nice. Danamora. Yeah, he's moved into a, like a new phase of his career. Yeah, I get the sense it's what he's always wanted to do, given what he is doing. Mm. I mean, you don't. It's not like his film you career... You fall into severance. Well, no, it's not like his film career washed up. No. He's chosen to do what he's doing now. Yeah. This is what... If he could choose to do anything, this is what he's doing. Mm. Yeah, good for him. Should we leave it there? Yeah. Severance? I suppose the, the one thing to say about it is it's a show that thrives on mystery, on yeah. unfolding mysteries. And even though all of those mysteries have not yet been answered... Yeah, you get the sense they will be. You get the sense they will yeah. be, but by the time I'd finished watching series one, I wanted to watch it again. Yeah. And I think that's a good sign. When yeah, yeah. you have all the answers, but you still want to go back to it. It reminds me of Mr. Robot in a way. Not just the kind of off-kilter filming style, mm. but like I trust that the mysteries are going to be answered. Yes. Like, oh, they've got it. They've got it. Not all figured out necessarily, but they do know what everything means. They explain yeah. enough in series one to yeah. show you that they're not bluffing it. They're not, yeah. Because there are, little, there are little things in series one, like uh, the guy with the camera, mm. where that comes to a resolution. And I didn't even think that need, I thought it was just a weird quirk. Right. But it yeah. gets, it gets resolved and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like last Sunday. They, they do, yeah. they do know what they're doing. Yes. I hope, I really hope yeah. that this show doesn't like fumble going forward because the first one's pretty good. Okay. What's your number six? My number six is season one of The Bear. Okay, we can talk about it now. We can talk about it now. We have talked about it already, very briefly, in episode 61. Yes. I think that was just like a quick three-minute review. Okay. I really like The Bear series one. I don't know what to say. It's really good. I think we probably say everything that we need to say about it. Jeremy Allen White is great in it. Yeah. Fantastic central performances. Yeah. Um, The word colloquial, it keeps like rolling around in my head whenever I think of the bear. Mm -hmm. I think like a a better way of phrasing that would be saying that like the show, given like how much shit there is on television now at the moment, not just like shit as in bad shows, just like things that exist. Yeah. You do get instances where a lot of shows kind of like have the same voice. They just kind of gel together in your mind. Yeah. Even like good shows. It's like, oh, that feels like blah, blah, blah. Or Mm. that looks a lot like blah, blah, blah. The bear has its own voice it has its own vibe yeah it has completely its own vibe it's doing completely its own thing it's throwing in like like non-diegetic like scenarios Mm. like like him on his own little cooking show it's throwing in like fourth wall breaking moments it's throwing in like seven minute monologues it's throwing in one take episodes episodes, it's throwing all of this stuff in 
and it doesn't feel disjointed or out of place. No. It, if anything, it just adds to the pure chaos, which I think that show wants. Chaos. Yeah. That's and that, that's another great word for it, because it is chaos, but it's controlled chaos. Yes. There are instances where the characters are in a kitchen, and there are like five things that are happening, and yeah. you're jumping between all five of them, and you're never lost. Yeah. And, and Jeremy Allen White, and the show, but more specifically him, they are being rewarded um, yeah, which is kind which of is winning nice. everything at the moment. Yeah. yeah, which is really nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I concur. Yeah, and humble as well, which I appreciate. Humble, yeah. It doesn't seem to. Th- it like, is a small show. Yeah, it's one of those rare shows that before it started, it didn't have a Wikipedia page. Yeah, which is very rare. Mm. Shows usually before they begin, even for like months before. Yeah, or, this didn't. This like took a, for like the second or third week. Yeah, and then like someone, oh, we should probably do it. <laughs> should probably say yeah, what yeah, this yeah. great show is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know how to quantify it. Like, even with an example, I wouldn't know how to quantify it, mm-hmm. like, brilliantly. But I think there's, like... You can tell when a show is carrying itself with smugness. Yes, you can. And there are plenty of moments where the bear could be smug. Mm-hmm. After that one-take episode. Yeah. After that seven-minute unbroken monologue. Yeah. After the several instances where characters are, like... Slow character moments mm-hmm. followed by intense chaos. Yeah. And it never does. It stays humble all the way through, and I really appreciate that. Well, speaking that. of which, so I saw Jeremy Allen White's, I think it was the Golden Globe acceptance speech. And um, it's like, so I've seen him in two things, this and Shameless. And I just, I, I assumed, oh, he's probably a dickhead in real life. Mm. Uh, I don't just sometimes you get that, you know, thing with actors. Not based on anything. Completely unfounded. Well, it's, prob- he, it's probably the characters he's played, right? I suppose so, but yeah, I don't know. And yeah, he, his Golden Globe speech, he was just like, he just listing the people that he loved. Blah, blah, I love you. Blah, blah, I love you. And um, I, I just love acting. I love acting. And he walked off. I was like, oh, that's a good speech. Yeah. Just to say I love acting. Yeah. Like, no, they never say that, do they? Never no. say oh, I really enjoy yeah. you know, what I do. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for the show and him. And it's coming back. So yeah. TV this is TV. a good thing. This is a good thing. My number five is nope. We can talk about that. My if we were doing a top eleven, it'd be eleven. Would it? it would be number okay. eleven. So it just missed out. Well, we did a proper review of Nope in episode sixty-two. We did, didn't we? Yeah. What else can I say about it? Um, Jordan Peele's best film. We're the only two people in the world that think that. <laughs> Unique again, idiosyncratic, Spielbergian, great ideas, very well directed, good cinematography, decent performances. Kiki Palmer starts out annoying but becomes really good. Mm. It's 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 almost a film that you can't sell, isn't it? I'm not I'm not yeah. just talking about us now in this moment. Yeah, I'm yeah. just talking about like when he was pitching that idea. It feels like the type of film it feels like an inception almost, where it's the type of film yeah. that a filmmaker can only make once they've already proven themselves a success. Well it's it's very original. Very original. Very, different ideas. It's got a chimp. I like the chimp. Chimps are good. Um, Pinocchio had a chimp though and that didn't help it uh, too much. this was a quote unquote real chimp yeah and it should have been called Don't Look Up <laughs> yes it should have I, I mean we've done the review do you know what I mean I don't really want to like keep repeating okay and that so, review is in episode 62 62 go and have a listen so what's your number 5 my number 5 is 13 Lives it's good that tis yes tis I think the downside of well, certainly the downside of doing five-hour episodes. Mm. Yeah, this was briefly brought up in episode 61, I should say. Because I think you had seen this. Yeah. I oh, know, in fairness, this wasn't the five-hour episode. This is the one we did after. Which oh, was like okay. only like three and a half or oh, something. Okay. Or whatever right, it was. Okay. 
But yeah, like little moments where like you're like, oh, I've seen this thing. It was rather good. Blah mm. blah 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 blah. Mm. And you kind of let that review pass, and yes. then ten other reviews follow it. Yes. And so stuff that you've like you've recommended and you've told me is good just ends up getting kind of lost in the yes. in the mix. But I really want to emphasize just how good Thirteen <laughs> Lives is. I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, it might be like my eleventh. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. I think like it could be bias on my part. Mm. I coined the word crisis thriller. I've used it already in this episode. It's Don't talk like that, you fuck. <laughs> it's like the one thing that I have that's mine on this podcast. Okay. Just like films that it's not about like the people in the film aren't people, they're professionals. And yes. the villain is the situation that they have to overcome. Yeah, there's absolutely there's basically zero character. Yeah. To them. Yeah. But somehow that doesn't ruin it. No. And I think I said in the in the review back where like Farrell and Mort, Mort Hensen are unrecognizable. Basically, absolutely. I watched it with my mother, and she she figured out it was Farrell. Yeah, because yeah. like it still looks like Farrell. Oh you, yeah, if it's you just, know actors, you know yeah, who they are. But it yeah, sounds nothing like him. No, they're, they're just but it looks like Colin Farrell. Blokes, that's it. Yeah, like but, doing, doing their thing. But Viggo Mortensen, she didn't clock that at all. Yeah, he does a spot on. Yeah, you you would think guys oh, a British bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's just a guy. Oh my god, it's him. Yeah, yeah no, no, it's, it's Aragorn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it really is great. It's the, um, it's one of the many films because I think there are multiple films about the uh, the football team, the Thai football team yes. that were trapped in the Thai okay. caves. Yeah. I think it follows the events fairly faithfully. Well, I think that's why part of why it's so surprising is Ron Howard has become like a an, an exciting director. Like when he has a film out, you yeah, mm. like he's directed a lot of great films. Yeah. Uh, but by now, you know, with the uh, Robert Langdon trilogy under his belt, mm. the Da Vinci Code, and you know, all the, all that tat, eh, a Ron Howard film about the the Thai case, it's going to be a by the book, yeah, middle of the road, and then it ends up being like a Paul Greengrass style, yeah, you know, it, it was yeah, it really was surprising, yeah, and it does a good job of like it doesn't feel cheap. No, no, like, not at all. Like the amount of water work that they do in this film, and they're actually filming in caves. You take it for granted. You really you, do. You're so like, I can't even begin to fathom like yeah. how they went about filming this. That's think you're so in the reality of it. Yeah, you just think, and they are so professional. Yeah, that that kind of infests, and you just look at it, and you you just think, well, I'm just watching the thing happening. Yeah, you don't think about sets and all the rest. No, of it. yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it. Yeah, it might be the uncelebrated film of the year. I would say so. Nowhere. Nothing. Yeah, not you a know. single thing. At the very least, he should have had some directorial recognition. Yeah. And I know there are a lot of strong candidates this year. Yeah. A lot of strong personalities have dominated the awards. Yes. But just as like a like a straightforward workhorse, this is a film mm. that is here mm. and it is it does the thing. It's like School of Rock, where it like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't say, like, apart from Jack Black's performance, mm. I couldn't point out one thing as being, like, exceptional, but it works together so magnificently. Yeah, you, you're not looking at the, the ticks and tricks. Yeah. You, you, the whole thing's just an experience. It just clicks together yeah. and it works. Even when they're using, because they use, like, on-screen text and maps mm. to show you not only the passage of time, but also, like, the route that they have to take through the caves and it's explaining to you how long the dives are taking... And you're never, like, lost. You it's understand like we, the whole we operation. We talked earlier about United 93 and the problem that she said, mm. where you're taking a story and, like, there's that fear of, oh, if I impose too much artifice on it, yeah. I'll detract from... And 
you sense a similar impulse with 13 Lives, which is, I'm not going to contrive too much drama. Yeah. But it so works. And, like, the moment at, toward the end of the film where the guy fucks up a little bit. Yeah. And he's, like, crying. They're like, mate, it's all right. We're all good. Yeah. You go, like, oh, fair play. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? But there, there, there's no, like, contrived... You let us down, man. It, yeah. There's none of that. No, it ends up being like a proper feel-good film. It really does, Because it's just yeah. people coming together, together to do a thing, yeah. And they, they did the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, the professionalism runs all the way through. The film casts no villain. Even when there are people that are kind of getting in the way of other people yeah. carrying out the operation, they're never cast as villains. No, no. There's no contrived drama. There's no Michael Bay, like, like yeah. we got to... No, it is. It's the situation, yeah. Yeah, here is the film. Yeah. Watch it. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? It's very good. Yeah. It's very good. Right, my number four is Boiling Point. Yay! Yay! We got here. Uh, We, I, I can't remember. Did we both review it? It was a joint review, yeah. It was our our first big review of 2022. Yes, okay. We did Bring the Ricardos on the same episode, but that was a 2021 film. So this was the first big thing of 2022. Okay, and that was episode 57. Yes. If you want the full review. I can't remember what we said. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure we were positive about it, because yeah. I'm positive about it now. Exceptionally directed mm. uh, cinematography, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Graham is fantastic, as he always is. Yeah. The entire cast is really great. It's a genuine one take. Mm. I have a friend whose boyfriend is friends with the writer, so that's like a connection. I automatically hate him now. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, what a douche. Yeah. <laughs> It's Phil Barantini. I don't. I don't want to name him because I don't want to give him like the time. Don't you know I mean? It's, 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 <laughs> the time the day. day. Uh, yeah, Philip Barantini. Because like fuck him and this other guy. The other, he's friends with the other guy. Right. Okay. Oh, uh, at least it's the other guy. It's not it's Phil Barantini. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. But then now they've got a fucking. It's being. A, it's a BBC TV series now, isn't it? They're doing. Yes. Yeah. Is, are they keeping the one take thing? I don't think so. But so Graham is back. Okay. So he didn't die. Because I will say that I don't know what this film is without the one take. Uh, no, that's a fair point, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's impossible to judge, isn't it? Yeah. That it is, is, that is at, at, at present. Yeah. That is the film's identity. It so dominates the film. Yeah. You're right. But Have you seen this film, Boiling Point? What is it? It's a one take film. Set in the kitchen. That's what you tell people. Yes. But what I like about it is it's not just some like wanky exercise in filmmaking. No, It's no, not no, a no. film that was created just so they could... Yeah. It yeah, is yeah. a genuine, like, exercise in rising tension. Well, it's, it's part of the experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, yeah. It's like, right. yeah, it's like the film is on the boil, and it's boiling over, yes. and we all just have to watch as it boils over. And it just ends with this aneurysm, you know. Yeah. Just boom, it explodes. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's fantastic, begrudgingly fantastic, because now I know someone who knows <laughs> it's someone real now, connected isn't it? with it, and it's like, oh, it's not just a thing. It's like a person that made it now. Yeah, it's not just a thing yeah. that came from the ether. It, like, I know. Shit, effort and time and what, yeah. what went into and, it. And we didn't do it. Yes, so and that's the worst thing so about fuck it. Yeah. Them. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, it is very good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, is, I think yeah. that, like, I, I, I fear that it could be easily written off as a gimmick film. Right. Because you sell it on the fact that it's a one take. And also it's called Boiling Point, which sounds like one of those crappy... Yeah, like it's titles. a B-movie B title. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it, it ascends above that. Oh, it's, definitely. It's a genuinely good film in its own right. Well, Boiling Point, yeah, it sounds like a B-movie thriller set in a kitchen. Yeah. But it's the most grounded, naturalistic... Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. For yeah. the longest time, it was best film of the year. Uh, but... 
Ah, yes. Uh, what's your number four? My number four yeah. is season one mm-hmm. of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. It's season one. Season one, okay. Yes. Yeah, technically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for, t- for TV, yes. Yes. Also, well, it, more so the fact that like, I didn't know if they were making any more. Oh, I see. Yeah, not confirmed yet. Okay. Not confirmed. But I, so I potentially, they... Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Potentially, season one, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, probably be like 12th. Yeah. Online. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. This is the thing that I've probably revisited the most this yeah, year. Yeah, I'm surprised it's that high for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because of that. It's because it's just, it's in my brain now. Right. And it just refuses to leave. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's because it's not correct. just full episodes. It's isolated clips on YouTube. It's compilations on okay. YouTube. It's something that I've, like, properly revisited. And I think I also benefit from, I mean, I found it through you, so it's not something I could share with you. Right. But I benefit from sharing an office with people who have mm. a very similar sense of humor mm. and temperament. And so when but, now yeah. that they've discovered it, it's like I'm refining the show all yes. over again. I haven't gone back to it at all, see? So you're saying I should? I think so, yeah. Because okay. it's like, yeah, when, when you first told me about it, I think I said in the review, which was in episode 62. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember like dreading having to watch it because like, oh right. God, those shorts... Oh, represent oh, dreadful they're dreadful they represent everything that like properly gets to me about horror <laughs> right. to sit through a show of that I don't know if I can do it but they've added so much to it they've added character to the characters mm-hmm. they've added humour they've added genuinely like sharp writing yeah without distilling or losing the identity of the thing that was there beforehand I would say I, I don't know if like uh, someone who like grew up with the shorts would agree with me. Mm. But I would say this is the better version of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Oh, show. I don't agree with that. I know that you yeah. are really married to the idea of the shorts just being these, like, yeah. anomalies that just show up Yeah, we nowhere. talked... I won't rehash the whole thing, but in the review I spoke about the reservations I had mm. about the fact that it was, like, it had now been neatly formatted and packaged into... Yeah. 22-minute Channel 4 episode thing. Yes. With a theme tune and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's yeah. disappointing. Yeah. But I think we gain too much for that. To no, I, for I, that's that's fair. But I, yeah, I do like the ten minute. I think it works better experientially. It's like it's not that long. You don't have yeah. to. I'm not da- putting the show down. I think it is really good. Mm. But I do prefer the original clips. You know. Yeah. But no, I and that this is another thing as well where you just kind of you accept what you're watching. Yeah. But just take a moment to think yeah, about yeah, yeah. the the craft that must have gone into making this. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, 100%. Even with the shorts, I used to think that. Yeah. Like, God, but like money went into this. I know. But, yeah. like, with the shorts, I mean, time is now... Enough time has now passed that, like, the older ones in particular, you can mm. see the rough edges around mm. there. I don't know if this show's ever going to age. I know that's a bold statement. Yeah. No, no, no. No, you're... But it it's feels like... A, it's like a Disney film. It, yeah, yeah, it's a fully refined craft at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anything that could be, like, maybe isolated as like oh that's a little mm. that's a bit of a mistake or that's a bit of a could be written off yeah that just it just yeah, adds yeah. to the, the character the, of the, the show, yeah. character of it yeah no it's like I'm, I'm really really happy with it there are weaker episodes within it mm-hmm. and I think that if you're binging it then it loses its impact but if you just take those episodes in isolation and yeah. you pace yourself yes it's an experience like no other yeah that was another shame I feel like if, if it was going to be on TV it should have been on weekly yeah and like I said, something for you to discover. What is this weird thing on Friday night at 10 Yeah, o'clock? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, it is, it's it's great. Yeah. Okay. My number three is Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Snap. Yes. 
don't need to do that, do we? We were filming. <laughs> we were filming yeah, you we yeah. moments yeah. ago. Uh, my number two is season six of Better Call Saul. Oh, Sam. <laughs> this fucks it up for you a bit, doesn't it? Well, I, I, I think I know what's happened here. Yes. We well, can't talk all, about all it ones yet. ones and twos. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't, can't talk about it yet. Yeah. My number two is The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Yes. We can't talk about that yet. It's your number one. It's my number one. Of so course. we'll do that. Right, okay. I'm honestly I love the film yeah I've talked about it so much with so many people I'm gonna bore myself if I talk about it again <laughs> uh, well the review is in episode 64 yes that absolutely said everything I, I think I have to say about it yes um, oh you were very thorough you, you it was yes. clear that the film had like yeah it was in you you know yeah it invaded it's, you it stays in you it's one of those films I've seen it I think three times and I, I'm, I know every beat, every image, every light. It's it's just it's all of it's going to stay with me. Mm. As I said, one of those films where the thing you could talk about the most is what it meant. Yeah, and that's such a rare treat. Mm. Colin Farrell is astounding. He should win the Oscar. I don't think he will mm. at, at this point. He was the front runner for a long time, but not anymore. Yeah, it should win best film. It won't. Uh, it should win best screenplay. That's also dubious. Mm. Anyway, it's a it's a little masterpiece. It's Mark McDonough's best film. It's funny. It's heartbreaking. It has something to say. It's cryptic. If you don't like it, you're a fucking idiot. Just <laughs> <laughs> throwing that out there at the end. It feels like whenever you try to predict a film's legacy, it always feels like tempting fate. Because mm-hmm. how the hell could you possibly know? I feel as confident as I think I'm ever going to feel. Yeah. In saying that, I think this is a film that's going to last forever. I think, yeah, I think so. And like, as far as a decade goes so far, we're not for Parasite, that once in a generation. Yeah. Film. This would be the best. Yeah. Yeah. I think this and Parasite will become the, like, Casablanca of this era of filmmaking. Yeah. Right now, we're still in a phase where you have the classics, mm-hmm. which I guess is like 60s backwards or 70s backwards. Well, classics is a very large... Yeah. What, what do you mean exactly? Well, you have classic cinema, like old films. Oh, class, like classic Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, like, like 40s, 50s. Like the, all the good classic films yes. that, have, like, that we've stuck with. Yes. Then you have kind of like the revival, like modern cinema. Mm-hmm. And I guess enough time has passed that we could sort of start a third category, but I don't really know if uh, we have... Uh, well, I mean, this is a tangent, obviously, but I, I think that we live in an age now the postmodern age, where we're past that. There are films that will become classics, mm. but not in the same way. No. There's too much stuff. Yeah. Were this an earlier generation, I would concur that they would be top 100 movies of all time. Yeah. Studied, all that kind of thing. Mm. Parasite, obviously, just across the board, every technical aspect. Banshee's of Sharon, just as like a concept and the writing yeah. and just what the film is, you know. I, I do feel like this has... As good a chance as any other film out there. Like, one of the best chances of being seen by our grandchildren. Yeah. In the same way that we see... Oh, like, they'll be seeing it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, like, like it, to them, it's the same way that we look back on, like, Taxi Driver or any of, like, the, yeah. you know, um, Sunset Boulevard. Well, we, we said, didn't we? I mean, I, I mean, this film has done really well critically and awards and all That's that. the thing. It's the, I fact, think... it's the fact that it's it seems to have su- succeeded everywhere. 
Yeah. It was, it's a critical darling, which I don't yeah. think there was any doubt about no. that. No, no. But it also seems to have done really well with just, like, audiences. And it was doing yeah. the, like, for lack of a better term, the pop culture round. The the talk show circuit. It was on all the yeah. talk show circuits. Like, yeah. the things that just normal people watch. Yes. And it's a film that I would, like... <laughs> Do I apologise for your elitism? <laughs> no, I know I've done it again. Yeah. But is it fair to say that, like, The Bounties of Inner Sharon feels like one of those types of films that, like, you would... Yeah, you don't you you'd go, qualify you don't go it. Graham Norton and promote it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like if, if you were just like if you met a person in a pub and they mm. were like, Oh, what film should I watch? Well the beauty you, you, of you would at least qualify Banshees of a Show. I think people would have seen the film it would have done okay. Like yeah. it would have it wouldn't have been a bomb or anything. Uh the beauty of a film like this is that Colin Farrell is the lead. Yeah. And he does have star power and the kind of person that will be invited on it onto interview shows. Mm. So he gets to promote Films that wouldn't otherwise yeah. have a wide reach. Yeah, we said, didn't we? It, it feels like a film, how did it take this long for it to exist? Yeah. It's archetypal. It's like a parable. It's biblical. It's mm. Yeah, it's fantastic. But yeah, like I was going to say, it, it's done very well critically and with the awards. I think we probably like it more than most they do. Yeah. But yeah, I maintain that. Because we, like, we had a friend, for instance, who watched it. And kind of said, yeah, it was funny. You know, it was good. Mm. And I just kind of think, really? <laughs> That's Is all that you it? took from it? Yeah, Is that yeah. it? Um, yeah, I, I got a lot out, like a lot out of it. Mm. Really a lot. Yeah. And I think part of it is I saw it a certain part of my life, but you had the same response basically. So for different reasons. Like and I, so- that film gave me a new phobia. Me saying fuck off on North Wales. Sure, you. you. Yeah, All right. Yeah. I was just going to. Oh, who else, George? No, I know. I didn't. Sake. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> okay. But too vulnerable, was it? Yeah. Okay. The, just the thought of like you just like you wake up one day and your best friend that you've shared a life with. Yes. Just says fuck off. I don't want to speak to you anymore. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. They would sooner mutilate themselves <laughs> than speak <laughs> to you. That's fucking terrifying. <laughs> And it's not something I'd even considered, like, before that. Like, that film, it really... Yeah, it it, it, it hit for me. It really did. Well, and I, I, mean, I, 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 I kind of... I really hope. Like, I said, like, oh, I think it will last for generations and generations. Mm. I really hope it does. Yeah, I really... I'm, like, f- I don't know how well it will go on to do, but it's done rather well with awards. Farrell's swept the boards, generally speaking. Yeah. The Globes, I know it's kind of a trashy ceremony, but it won film, actor, screenplay... Yeah. I'm proud of it. Yeah. I have no reason to be. I'm not connected in any way, but do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I am proud of it. Yeah. And the reason... I've, I've kind of, like, half alluded to it. I've been a bit vague about it. But, like, I think one of the reasons that it, it hit so much is because I'd recently gone through, like, a, a kind of breakup of my own. Mm. That's why, like, part of it was like, oh, yeah, it really resonated. Yeah. And the film is what you want it to be at the same time. Mm. So... Yes, that was my number one thing yeah. of the year. Mine was Better Call Saul Series 6. It's good. I am furious. Mm. I am not in the least bit pleased. Well, you should put Banshees first. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I should have done, and what I genuinely considered doing, yeah. was starting the top ten by saying, hey, Better Call Saul is not in this list. But it's the best It's thing. objectively the yes. best thing of the year, <laughs> but it is not in my list, because what a boring number one of the year well, how obvious how obvious yeah and also for me it doesn't represent 2022 in the slightest no 
Everything else on this list does. Yeah, you don't. You're not going to think of 2022 when you think of Veracruz. No, when I think back on 2022, I'm going to think of the Banshees of Inisherin. Yes. I'm going to think of Glass Onion and the Bear and Severance and everything yeah. that we've discussed in this list yeah. so far. I'm not going to think of Better Call Saul because not only did like Better Call Saul start in 2015, mm-hmm. but that in and of itself is a continuation of something that started in 2008. Yeah, but. There is, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with there's it. There's nothing wrong with it. There is yeah. nothing on television or on the big screen or maybe in any other form of media at the moment that is just as perfect, perfect. as Better Call yeah, Saul. It is perfect. fucking yeah. faultless. <laughs> yeah, I think I said to you, and it would be dishonest to put it anywhere other than number one. Well, this is for me. I know that you put Banshees there, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I understand why. Well, but I just, yeah, I my, can't. my reasoning would be like I don't disagree with you. Like, yeah. If we were to break down each constituent element, yeah, Bellicle Soul triumphs over everything. Yeah, the only reason it's not number one, as perfect as it is, mm. and not just perfect, like in a way, saying that it's perfect undermines it because it's almost like you're clapping. It's like I admire that. Yeah, it's not just that; it is also entertaining. Yeah, and you know, like shocking, like the the death of Howard Hamlin is one of the all time great TV moments. Spoilers. Yeah, it's fucking. <laughs> Lalo is one of the all-time great TV villains. A character that came in at the tail end at the of very the penultimate end. season yeah, of yeah. a spin-off show. Yeah, and he is genuinely one of the like, best the characters most of iconic that. Yeah, Breaking Bad characters, let alone Medical Soul yeah. characters. Yeah. Um, but but yes, also technically music, editing, cinematography. Yeah, everything's perfect. I said to you in the review, it, yeah. this is like one of those rare examples. I I could I couldn't even think of another one off the top of my head mm-hmm. where. Every single craft, yeah, is at the top of its game. Yes, it's it is unseen. Yeah, really, I can't think of anything else like that. It's some of the best sound work on television, some of the best cinematography yeah. on television, editing, acting, directing, writing. Yeah, everything. Nothing on TV, film. Yes, I can think of some examples. Okay, like Fincher's films. Yeah, okay, but televisually, yes, there, there, it has no peers in that yeah. respect. The only reason it's not number one is because it was inevitable. Yeah. Not not the way that the story pans out, but that it would be amazing. Mm. Whereas the Banshees of Inner Sharon was all those things and a surprise. Yeah. And so it, it was like a magical experience seeing that film. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Bellical Souls like, yeah, that was as perfect as I could have hoped it would be. Yeah. Um, I am fully satisfied. Mm. But yeah, I can't quibble. I, I, I can see why you put it number one. Mm. Yeah, they're kind of interchangeable, really, those two. But it, it, it is great. I'm so happy because... I loved that show when it started. Mm. And then, for, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just, like, it was still on. It was, it hadn't got any worse. It yeah. Was great, we, but it was I, still I dropped off in the middle there. Yeah, um, you stopped watching it. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what it was. I think it just, I much preferred watching it in a batch. It, it definitely benefits from binging it. Yeah, 100%. which is such a surprise. You'd think yeah. that that would be so against. Well, you pick up on all the little details. And it, it's a show of details. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just so happy that by the end, the passion had been reignited, and yeah. I kind of rediscovered it, and like, oh shit, I, this is the final season of Better Call Saul. I'm excited for this. Yeah, yeah. I kind of remembered that I was excited. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's it, it, perfect. It's the only word you can use for it, really. Yeah. Yeah. So goddamn you, Better Call Saul. Yeah, yeah fuck you, I'll never <laughs> for, do For making like my list and this podcast <laughs> end boringly and obviously. <laughs> Uh, do something spontaneous do a fart or something do a blow off into the mic <laughs> there you go well do we want to recap before we close out or is that just like oh, I've deleted my list okay you remember your top 10 shit of the year I can't right? remember my top 10 what 
<laughs> oh, I'm not going to remember. Okay. I'm not going to remember. You read off your list, okay. and I'll add the stuff that wasn't there. That's not on yours. What? No, don't be like that. What do you mean? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. This whole thing is I, falling My apart. list is gone. So okay. just read your list. Right. So these are our, recommend, our big, big recommendations yes. from 2022. Okay, so there. here are the 13 things that... Fun the filtered, 13 best things. Of last year. Yes. As you per recommended by the Fun Filtered Podcast. Yes. Bad Sisters Season 1. Puss in Boots The Last Wish. Boiling Point. Severance Series 1. The Bear Series 1. 13 Lives. Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Glass Onion and Lives Out Mystery. The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Better Call Saul Season 6. Evil Season 3. Nope. And Mass. In Go no watch them. In order. Go watch them. They're all good. Yeah. They're all fucking good. Right, that's it. Yeah. It was a good Hi. year, actually. It was a very good year. Yeah. yeah. I thought I'd become jaded. Yeah, you know, you know, we say all the time, like, oh, there's not many great films anymore. Yeah. And even though DVD quality films... For me, there aren't that many. Mm. Yeah, it was solid year for for film and TV's on a roll right now as well. Yeah, well, it's the first year that I committed to like watching TV. Yeah, and like in both lists, there were things that I ended up having to kick out of my top ten. Yeah, that I was genuinely disappointed. Yeah, like things that I would still recommend. Yeah, to I wanted Thirteen Lives in there. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope, and the outfit, and yeah. just like films that was like, oh, I I I really thought that was gonna make it. Yeah. It sounds so stupid when you're talking about your own list, so but it makes stupid. sense, we, I promise. We, can, we canonize them, don't we? We yeah. elevate them. Okay. That's Hello us. Hello again. Hello again. And bye. Bye. Bye.